All right, so. All right, do you want to do a show? Uh, yeah, we no? can do a show. No? Yeah, we'll do a there show. There it is. I, all right. Um, Just admiring all your Milwaukee hats. I do have a lot. Well, only, but but here's the thing. So each one of them, nobody can see any of this, so I, <laughs> this so is great. So I'm shirtless doing push-ups, getting ripped right now, so yeah. since nobody can see. God, what a six-pack. Uh, no, but I have every generation is up there. Yeah, I just do noticing that. So that's top like one, that's my kid one. Then those two are ones when my kids were the bat boys for the Brewers, are the two hats there. And then each one of those other ones are all the evolutions of them. Which, yeah. by the way, I one didn't of them know. Is from, uh, is one of them from when they were the Braves? No. So, okay, so yes and no. So the the blue and red with the red bill and the M on it. Yeah. So I was going to say to you, I didn't know this, but so they were the, th- that is the Milwaukee Braves logo, but it is also the Milwaukee Brewers logo when they were not a professional. They were a semi-pro oh, okay. baseball team first in Milwaukee, and it was the same thing. So it was the same hat. So when the Braves came in, they just kind of copped. And okay. the, the Brewers logo, as you see it now, that the one that says either Milwaukee or Brewers on it, yeah. that is the style that it was back, back in, the in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. It's it's a take on that. Anyway, welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. I just uh, remember on Happy Days, Mr. Cunningham was like, hey, we're going to go to a uh, Braves game. Yeah, I've been to Braves. Yeah. They, they lived in Milwaukee. They, the Brewers okay, didn't come did, to the league until, as a pro team until the 60s, right? The Milwaukee Brewers were 1971. 1971? And you know who was on that team, which people forget? Hank Aaron. Oh, because he stayed. Well, no, he didn't stay. So the Braves obviously went to Atlanta. And yeah. then when at the end of his career, he came back to Milwaukee and played for the Brewers. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's it's like, like you forget, like, and like then, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was, like, on the, on the uh, Milwaukee Bucks for one season. The only yeah. time they ever won a championship. You know what I mean? It's like you forget like, like some relatively Kareem famous. was on the Bucks when yeah. they won a championship? Yeah, but he wasn't called Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the time. Oh, it was his first year? Yeah. Oh. Isn't that funny? That is funny. But also, like, Willie Mays played for the Mets at the end. Yeah, I mean, there's guys that, But those know. are, like, kind of, it's like what you were talking about when we were talking about Anvil. It's like you got to know when to hang it up. Yeah, yeah. Like some of the those sad guys. guys. The sad tour of duty. Yeah, but also at the same time, it's like you don't want to give that up. You well, just don't. You've been competitive your whole life. You've been in a band your whole life. Like, there's just. I think that's part of it. I think that, um, you know, now it's a little bit different because they make so much money. And back then they didn't. Most of those guys quit. They stayed famous. They signed a few autographs, which back then they weren't making money off the autographs, no, right? Dude, no, that was just so a thing they would you did basically for fans. get hired to go hang out at a car dealership or yeah. open up an insurance agency in the Cut local town. That they, yeah, that's how they made their money after the fact. And it's kind of sad, like. And I only learned about that as um, in the years when I was in Wisconsin, you know, because obviously all the Vince Lombardi. Green Bay Packers that won the first two Super Bowls. Like I just always assumed that they were all rich and famous, and like, you'd hear all these sad these stories like about all these guys. And yeah. Like, yeah, they didn't. That's like when you like hockey up until like 2000. Those guys had like jobs in the off season. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like yeah, no, nah, I got to go pour cement, and then I got a hockey practice. It's like, dude, you're a professional hockey player. Yeah, and I think you and I talked about this before. Like the, this past year was the first time I'd ever gone to spring training and looking at those facilities and how nice they are, and then seeing old footage of the original spring training facilities of like again, very famous people that were playing. But like you looked at it, it was like a fence and uh, uh, are there a half rocks of a on the yeah. field. Yeah, there are rocks. Don't worry about it. Don't slide there. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> It's like it's the Bakersfield Blaze. That was like yes. they were like, we want a new field, and the town was like, no. And they were like, okay, we're not going to be a team anymore then. And they were like, okay, yeah, that was it. Uh, we're not raking rocks off our field. That's it. I'm out of here. 
I'm taking, uh, okay. my, I'm taking okay. my ball and You're I'm out of here home. then? Yeah, I'm out of here. All right, well. Everyone else already left, so I guess turn the lights off when you go. I did that once in high school. We were, we were, I was a troublemaker in high school, and I regret it. So all my oh, teachers yeah. that listen You're to this podcast, which is 0% of them, I want to apologize in it, uh, for everything that I ever did when I was a kid. The uh, I remember one time uh, we were being total douchebags in class, and the teacher's like, that's it. You guys get out of here. And my one buddy's like, yeah, we're out of here. Come on, Brian. I'm like, nope. And he's like, let's go. I'm like, nope, I'm good in here because I don't want to go to the office again, so I'm good. I'm staying. He's like, no, no, we're out of here. I'm like, nope, no, we're not. We're not a team anymore. We're not out. We're not, we're not going wow. together. And he walked away. I mean, look, you know, it's high school. We're all douchebags to each other at some point because sure. boys. So, you know, eventually we got over it. But, you know, he was really pissed off because he thought, there's solidarity, right? You guys, let's do this. Let's storm out of here. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not on a train. Dude, I learned you go with your friends. I know. Because... The one time I didn't We're not blow friends off. anymore. Oh, that's it? You guys are... That was it. That 30 was years it. later. He walked out. That was he the last time you ever saw him. walked out of my life forever. You never saw him again? <laughs> no. I did. Well, anyway... Uh, I saw him at his wedding, and his wife was hitting on one of our friends at the wedding. That's cool. They're not married anymore. Just throwing that that's out weird. there. That's weird. <laughs> Sounds like it was meant to last. Um, <laughs> this is so sad. You know, we had uh, that this is my wife. Like, She's gonna hit on you later. Uh, and me this and my marriage bu- is going great. And the thing is, is like, so I mean, again, we had this conversation, me and my buddy, when it happened. I mean, like hardcore, like you know, hitting on him. And we were like, do we tell him? Tell because like then you're like, well, then you're also like, you're wrecking that day. What if you're misunderstanding? Like, so we didn't say anything, and eventually it all, you know, Came took out care of itself. Yeah. But like in that moment, kind of like I was, I don't know if I was telling you the other day about my buddy who's. Um, Wife didn't show up to the wedding for two hours. Oh, yeah. I, t- I just told you that, right? Yeah. And, like, we were all like, this should probably end now. If she, Dude, nobody knows where she is for two hours. Just call this thing, yeah. Yeah, which they did. Again, six months later, it right. was over. And so it, I kind of guess it takes care of itself. But what a waste already, you know, yeah. just that whole day. Now, that is ridiculous. Uh, Brian, you were hitting on my wife the other night when we were out, <laughs> uh, which I thought was okay, I guess. Um is that what she thought? That's what she's convinced. Oh, she's okay. like, Brian was hitting on me. I bought him so many drinks. <laughs> um, we went to see a sneak peek of season two of uh, Dream Corp LLC, the adult swim show uh, created and directed and partially written by and produced by Daniel Stesson. Yeah. A uh, former guest. Former guest yep. and current friend. Um <laughs> Hello, friend. But uh, but yeah, it was really. Did I, you did you email and make sure you could use the term friend? No, I will we'll have People to. People don't that throw out. that around. I'll loosely. email them and then we'll edit this out. If you get to a certain age where you don't throw the word friend out anymore, well, like, I friend like, was overused in the, the twi- show. No, but I'm just I'm saying I, I that's I've seen a lot of people in their 20s they throw the word friend around a lot and you meet them and then they're like they're like they don't even know your last name dude how can you guys be friends but then you get older and you're like I can't really use friend just yet I'm not I'm not looking for it's more like people in my life. It's like saying I love you to a woman when you're younger you're just like <laughs> I I want to call you my friend but I just don't know that we're friends yet like all right weirdo got to hold off got to hold but off. But we went to the, a sneak peek of the season 2 and uh it looked dude there's a Daryl Hammond episode that I it was I still laugh just thinking about, like, <laughs> his teeth. But the whole thing, I thought it was, the show is so weird. It's so bizarre. It's so interesting. Um, but that's, but th- I, I, I honestly, and I, and I, I don't want to use the term genius because it, it's, it's overused, yeah. but it is, it, it borders on, like, how, how, where is this all coming from? But it all makes sense in the end. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, and, you, and you're just, you're in awe. I was in awe of what they do. And it's a show that, like, you, you're like, how? How do you like what you even said? How would you pitch this in a room? 
And I don't know how you who would. listened to that and was like, <laughs> yeah, we'll make this thing because yeah. it's so bizarre. Like, I highly recommend checking it out. I guess they didn't air my episode because I'm in the season finale uh, with Toby, to- Toby Kebble, I think is how you say his name. But um, he's the main guy in it. Um, but I thought, I mean, everybody did a great job. I love John Grease. I think I, I just the whole thing is I told you that when he went on a couple dates with Nicole. Mm-hmm. Um, like I did, like you did. You yeah. went on one date. I was yeah. there. I chaperoned it. So every time you left, her and I were on a date. Were on and every a date. time you came back, we were just friends. No, no, no. I was chaperoning oh. the date. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just giving you guys some alone time. Um, uh, we star spotted Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer was there. I'm assuming he's I got at- nothing else to add. <laughs> Val Kilmer was there. It was weird. Was Sinead O'Connor there? It looked like it. <laughs> it looked like Val Kilmer was there with Sinead O'Connor, but. <laughs> It probably wasn't her, but uh, it was no. definitely him. Yeah, he was dressed like Iceman. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that's, that's that's how you know. Him. That's it's like, the Val Kilmer you know. It's, it's like Ice when you Man. see a football player in a commercial and he has to have the jersey on, otherwise you'd have no idea who he was. You're like, you walk around in your jersey all the time. That's weird. I I specifically he he shot at the Herald. They shot the movie Wonderland, which also started the building on fire. So that's oh, how yeah. I know. That's uh, about John Holmes. Yeah, yeah. If you watch the DVD, or as my kids call it, DVD. Uh, extras, because you, that's the only way I think you can get extras anymore. I don't think they do. They sell extras. They put on them that. on. They put them on like Amazon and Hulu. So you and, and Netflix will have the extras. They yeah. do. They so they do put all that stuff in mm-hmm. there. Yeah, but there's a slideshow of them showing the the building on fire. Oh wow. Yeah, they thought it was pretty funny. I'm sure it was. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, you want to bring in our guest? No. Okay. Nah. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks for our credits roll. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, why don't we the only visual part of our podcast are the credits? Does anyone have any? Uh, does anyone want to do anything different with the credits? Do you guys not like the way they look? Um, <laughs> let us know. Just email us at hollywoodanonymousguys at gmail Guys, our guest today for today's show is filmmaker Sean McDaniel. Sean, how are you? Uh, great. How are you guys? And your mic's just, on now, right? Yeah, it, it is on, and oh, I just want yeah. you to know that I'm the only one that wears headphones. There was no applause, so just in case you were waiting for uh, applause why did to you finish. say that? You could have no, said because just, just in case you know, he was waiting. I hear the applause. Maybe he was waiting for the applause to die down before he started speaking, so he could be heard. Yeah, I was going to give it a minute or two, just yeah. to kind of you know yeah. let it die down. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like you don't just walk right on stage and start going into your material no. and let the audience simmer. No, but just know? so you know, there's never been any applause for neither John or I either ever. So mostly booze. Uh, yeah, well, I don't have anything to say directly on that, but, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I can see why. Uh, it's mostly enough. my children. When they come in here, they just boo us. and then Well, they, they just want to know what you're doing. They yeah. probably just think dad's being weird and old. They and don't, yeah, they don't really understand buddy. what any of this is. No, nor do they care, nor no. should they. Dad's doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is. That's a great bragging right within like, the family. Guys, I'm doing a podcast right now, if you wouldn't mind leaving me alone. Is that the equivalent of, like, dad's in the garage? Yeah. Don't, like. Dad's doing a podcast. Be quiet. Like it is so, a yes. That's why we're part of this. Fuck, we suck. Dad's doing a podcast. That sucks. Yeah, Dad's <laughs> in the garage putting together all his Radio Shack stuff. Random. That would be right. Circuit boards yeah. for no reason. <laughs> Dad's old radio. Yes. And the little bulbs on. Yes. He's in there for yeah. the radio. My dad had a ham radio. And uh, I brought the show to a halt. Uh, no, Sean. no. So, but our, no, yeah. my neighbors have this massive antenna on top of their house. And we couldn't figure out why. And they said it's a it's a ham radio one. So they're they're what do they call those people that are ready for the apocalypse? Um, oh, uh, preppers, doomsday yeah, preppers. Yeah, doomsday yeah, preppers. Yeah, yeah, which is fine because if there is an apocalypse, zombies, whatever it is, earthquakes, 
at least we know that we can, you know, if we learned anything from Walking Dead, we can communicate with the outside world of all call, zombie you movies. Could you have to China find the on one group radio. that can still see if there's life out there, right? So they, that would be where it is. I think the best ham radios are the ones that are full of dust and got like all the greenery of the trees growing around it and they have to yes. move it all over. I mean, if it doesn't look like that, I'm, I don't trust that radio. It, yeah. That is pretty much every zombie movie. It's like, I found an old radio communique. <laughs> but it takes them at least a few hours to fix it because it usually doesn't work right. But there's right, one yes. guy in the group that's like, I can fix it. Yeah, I went right. to DeVry. Get out of my DeVry. way. Like, oh, God, this dude again? He just fucks up everything even more. ITT like, tech, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, th- those used to be commercials that were on nonstop. Now it's just the general. I think the general is kind of the, the new general? ITT tech commercial, like on non Go to the general and oh, make those are terrible some commercials. What is it? It's Go. him and, and Shaquille O'Neal, I believe. Oh, the general and Shaq. Yeah. Shaq started to become, if you think about like my kids, they don't know who that guy is. He's just some big goofball that's in commercials now. Like he yeah. means nothing to them. Yeah. It's like, it, there's like, there's a lot of that though. Like I said, turn this park around, you'd be in the front row the other day and someone's like, what? I'm like, Bob Euchre. They're like, who? I'm like, never mind. <laughs> Go do your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Go. I have to go do a podcast and talk about outdated sports figures. <laughs> Pathetic. Uh, Sean, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, actually. Doing you, wonderful. Uh, you are fresh from, not fresh, you are a couple weeks removed from the Middle Coast Film Festival? That is correct. Uh, yeah, we went out there and episode one uh, showed at this, uh, you know, it's a, I think it's a small upcoming festival. So it was nice to Where kind was of it? be a part of it. Um, it was in Chicago. Okay. Uh, it was near. It was near Wrigley Field, so it okay. wasn't too too far from there. I don't know the exact area. That's yeah. Uh, but it was playing beautiful. At it's a beautiful town. Northside. I believe so. Yeah. Well, sure. so when you say it was, it's it's up and coming. All of that. Here's my take on film festival. I'm curious what your take is. If they put butts in the seats, especially since if you're not from there, it and don't treat it into a bringer show. They're organized when you get there. There's there is a game plan. There, it's not too spread out, which means people, wherever you go, right? There's no one there because it's the festival's not all in like a central location. There's no hub for it. There's no, uh, or they it, it, there's no area where people can kind of convene and get together and meet each other and all that kind of stuff. All those things matter to a festival, no matter how long it's been going on there. So, what was your experience with that specific festival? Uh, it was good. They had they had a little filmmaker area. They had some uh, uh, they had some sponsors, so they had plenty of snacks and drinks and stuff there too. And they were good. I mean, they had Kind Bars that was one of their sponsors, uh, and then they I think they had um, it was a drink. I forget. It was like a juice or something. Sunny uh, D. No, it was uh, Lacroix. Okay. Oh, so the they... stuff with the rat poison in it or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. There's a story that came out of, like somebody's suing Lacroix for having uh, uh, a pesticide in it. And I'm like, that's of course, because I just discovered I could drink that stuff, and it sort of takes the place of soda. Now they're like, oh yeah, that's poisonous too. Everything has pesticides in it. That's what I. That's what. That's the other argument is that like, try eating something that doesn't have a pesticide on it or in it. Like, you know, I asked for a pesticide, little extra on the side. You did and just kind of dump it. Yeah, in. Did they did they give it to you, or what kind of film festival was this? Could they do uh, dipping sauce <laughs> pesticides? Yeah, it's thick enough to be uh, to be a dipping sauce. That's for sure. You gotta you gotta dilute it down a little bit with the with the <laughs> bubble water. So DDT. Now we I I introduced you as a filmmaker. Now that is an all kind of an all encompassing thing. You've been making films and shorts and things for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is your first festival as a director. Uh, it is not actually. It's not. Uh, well, when was a... your where was your first festival? So my first festival was actually the Cine Vegas Film Festival in Las Vegas, where I where I grew up. Nice. And uh, 
It was a, actually that was a very large festival. The director of programming there also does br- director of programming for Sundance. Oh, sweet! And uh, Dennis Hopper was uh, was like the 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 guy was kind of heading it. The on. lifetime achievement guy. Yeah, but he was able to bring on a lot of celebrities. Like they brought in Jack Nicholson. Oh, so he was actually not just a figurehead, but he was involved. Oh, he was very involved. Oh, and wow. he was super nice. Does Hopper? Did he, I thought he lived in Venice. Does he? Did he have a place in Vegas? Uh, I think he had a place in Vegas. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. But uh, he was incredibly nice, and you know, unfortunately, you know, he had he passed. So I think that's why the festival kind of oh, took a dive. But, oh yeah. But they had a they had great parties, and you know, the films there were 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 really good. I mean, a lot of them were from Sundance. So if you couldn't make Sundance, into Vegas was a great way to go see a lot of those. Did movies. you? And did you have a feature? No, I had a short in there, and it was because I was part of uh, uh, the College of Southern Nevada mm-hmm. uh, when I was when I was living there. They had a program, and they allowed you to screen your film. So. I had screened my first, uh, not my first short, but it was um, it was a short called Canned, and it was about a rich man and a poor man, and you know how they found a way to like be friends at the end. But anyway, that that premiered there, and that that was shown there. So that that was actually a lot of fun. It was the first thing I saw on the big screen. What uh, oh, so you, you actually you... got to see? Isn't that so? That that's kind of one of the things, right? There's like there's benchmarks. And to be able to have somebody else, and it's not you projecting your own thing on a big screen. Like you're just going there and you're actually seeing your work, uh, you know, on a screen. There's that. There's a unique feeling to that, isn't there? A sense of accomplishment, like not in an ego way, but I guess it does feed your ego no matter what. But you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you had to felt like yourself, like okay, I've, I've hit a benchmark here. I've done something right. Well, I think there's a line between having an ego and then being proud of your accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like having an ego is like. You know, if I brought that up at every conversation, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, Dennis Hubbard is filming my movie. It felt like everyone's like, "Good God, we weren't even talking about that." That was twelve years ago, bro. Like, get over it. Has you he know? brought up that Hopper thing yet? Because yeah, he usually does within the first. Sean McDaniel, Dennis Hopper's friend, uh, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're uh, super tight. Friend, they're friend, su- yeah, he's friend. There you go, bringing back the friend. Uh, but yeah, I think there's there's a feeling of like, hey, I've accomplished this. It feels good. You know, at the time, I was like, you know, I was like, I've made it. You know, this is this is it. You know, this is where it starts. And you know, but. Takes a lot more work than that. You got to keep going. Well, sure. That's the thing is you ke- you have to keep going. That is like one thing I think anybody who's ever been successful in this business you can't just like, well, I directed a movie, so that's a wrap, everybody. I guess so that's uh, it. Like, uh, no man. When did the letters and, start coming? Yeah, unless the movie you directed was Godfather, then I don't think you're walking away from anything. Well, that's soon. just the beginning of the hustle. Can I ask you a question? So this you said this was twelve years ago, uh, ish. How long? Give ago? or take. Give okay. or take. What did you shoot it on? And what did it look oh. like when it was projected on the big screen? Because obviously the world has changed quite a bit during that time, right? Well, this was back in the mini DV tape days. Oh, my God. So uh, the, you were three-chipping? I was three-chipping. I was using a DVX-100. That was okay. the, the Panasonic. This is like right around where I lose. Uh, after the DVX cameras, I don't know anything. I'm like, Well, eventually it all turns into HD, but the yeah. three-chip, and the reason why I would say three-chipping is because that was pre-HD, so you had to 16 by 9 it to make it seem like it was grander than it was. But I'd be curious if that's what you were doing. Like, did you, how did you get, how did it look on the screen when, I don't, I never saw anything that, of so that quality. With, uh, with that camera, it was really tough. I think I actually screwed up the, because they had uh, a 24P advanced mode, mm-hmm. which was like a, like a fake anamorphic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I think I was editing it in like Final Cut Express. Yeah. You know, it was a cheap version of Final <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cut Pro. And the I. The trial. 
It, yeah, it was like a trial, but it was it was awful. There's so many great features that were taken away because yeah. you had the express version. Yeah. Anyway, I had to do an anamorphic input and do like a like a pull down, drop down. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, so it was all squeezed. And then I stretched it out, and the aspect ratio was kind of off. So uh, I wasn't too happy about that, but we got it to look enough, like good enough to play on the big screen. And you know, it looked good. You know, it was. I'm assuming a little grainy, right? So it, it, it gets to a certain thing; it can only handle so much projected, right? Yeah, it was definitely a little grainy, but I mean, that camera was pretty advanced for the time. There was another feature that was playing at that same festival, and they had shot with the DVX100. And I got to sneak in for a minute, and it looked really, really good. But yeah. I think they had a budget for post. Well, also though, yeah, I mean, that, let's be honest. With perspective, though, no one gave a shit because that's what everything was done like. So you just assume that this is what it's going to look like. Everything has its. Every generation has its thing. Yeah. And you just kind of accept the quality for what it is because, as far as you're concerned, that's as good as it's going to get anyway, so you have to look past that. But, like he said, though, without a budget for post, when you're doing something independently, you know, somebody who can go in and color correct and sound correct and, you know what I mean, like, make, smooth it over, basically, mm -hmm. like, give it a buffer. To an extent, you can only do so much, obviously, depending yeah. on what the information is. But if you only have Express or whatever you're using, it's a little bit harder. And so, w this was your first... Film or had you been messing around as a kid? Like, what? Like, what was your little mini journey before you even got to that? So, when I was a little kid, uh, I think it was, I think it was close to like junior high. So maybe that's not a, a little of a kid, but I, uh, my mom had bought a camera. I was in a play in junior high school, and she bought a um, uh, like a VHSC. Those old yeah, 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 yeah. cameras. Yes. Put the whole VHS tape in the oh. side? No. A, well, the C means compact, so it's a oh, lot, it was a lot sorry. smaller. And so in order to play it on a regular VHS player, you had to have an adapter you put it in. I still have you all put that it stuff. in the big tape and then slide yes. it in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and all then right. nothing works. So continue. <laughs> uh, but at the time, <laughs> at the time, there was no editing. So all my... You know, I didn't know what I was doing, so you I had to shoot straight through. Well, there you was in cameras. Some yeah. cameras, but some cameras did have an in can in camera editing tool. Which, let's be honest, it going back to what you said, there really was no garbage. Yeah. It, it was terrible. I never used it. I saw the in editing. I tried to read up on it. It was so confusing. Yeah, I was like, I'm just gonna shoot it and and shoot linear. And uh, so I would shoot these little uh, action figures. I'd get my Star Wars action figures. Oh, so wait a minute. Did mom get the camera for herself and you took it or she got the camera for you? Oh, let me backtrack. I'm sorry. She got the camera for... I robbed my mom. <laughs> I was in a play in junior high school. Ah. And she wanted to buy the camera oh. to re record me being a monkey in the Wizard of Oz play in my junior high school. Okay. Did she yell dance monkey dance from the back? What? Uh, no. <laughs> Wait. Is this... Was this the beginning and end of your acting career? <laughs> or was this the beginning of... I mean, I kind of dabbled in acting. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought acting was like where I wanted to be. Like Jim Carrey was my idol. I'd act sure. like Jim Carrey everywhere. People, That's fair. I, I define told that. What does that mean? Oh, I told my scout leader I changed my name to Ace Ventura. Okay. Uh, you know, in class, I was a class like you were saying earlier that uh, you know you're, you're yeah we you're call them class clowns. Uh, would they call us nuisance? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah pains in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I was uh, I was Jim Carrey in school. I so would, you were acting out. Oh, I was acting out terribly. Talking out of your butt. Uh, I don't know if I went there, but I would I would do a lot of liar liar bit. Did I talk out of my butt? Oh, okay, I guess I talked out of my butt. <laughs> did my, you be clear? Your mom is yeah. You can go ahead and reference that you your mom. Yeah, just to be clear for the audience, my mom is here. She came in for the weekend because we. Uh, Went to Not Scary Farm last night. Ooh, so oh, I'm going tonight. Oh, dude, you're gonna love it. Yeah. Wait, she They're came specifically it. to go to Not Scary Farm. Yeah, well, my cousin and uh, uh, a friend of his came down uh, with her, 
Okay. And we all went to Knott's Berry Farm. And you all you all live in Vegas still, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they all live in Vegas still. Okay. So they drove down uh, yesterday. I but I had heard that. Well, if, I want to get too far into it, but I just read. You know, we every, every year my wife and I are looking for things to do for like Halloween, mm-hmm. and apparently there's something huge in Vegas that's supposed to be one of the most scary things in the United States of America. Yeah, it's called gambling, Brian. Oh. It's terrifying. <laughs> I lose every single time. Good um, one. All right, so anyway. No, I don't know. Is there? Is there like? A I big, guess there is, like but I can't remember because multi-storied. We were, well, I heard this not scary farm. Yeah, thing it is a multi-storied one. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Like, did you stand in line and stuff like that? Was it long to get? Well, in? okay. So here's the key: you got to get the front of the line pass. Yeah, we're doing that. So, so your the mom had to mortgage track, the home, absolutely. or how much does that cost? Uh, I mean, okay. So they have like a combo thing. So you one twenty. It's one twenty with just the pass, but if you want to do the buffet. Uh, it's actually really good. You get the Knott's fried chicken. You get like mashed potatoes. You get a, like a whole Wait, spread. Wait, while you're while you're walking around, you're eating. No, no, scary there's a little. Eating. So when you scary go, <laughs> not scary eating. Yeah, this is a picnic <laughs> where people yell at you the whole time. Well, funny enough, there actually are guys walking around in the dining room, and they're more fun. Like they kind of like mess around with you and make fun of. They don't like, slap the food out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't like this. This is kind of like not scary. It's more you irritating. Scared yet? <laughs> They I'm just annoyed. they just stare at you while you're chewing your food. Yeah. Call you a savage while you're picking through a chicken. Don't let you have mints after you're done. Um, okay, so you got the the food, the meal with the pass. And it's the- like a combo. So there's the buffet, the parking, and then your fast track, and then the ticket. I hate it's so stupid. They have a ticket for the attract for the park, but then they also have the frontal line. Just make it one thing, just like the frontal line ticket. It's such a scam. It drives me insane when I'm I see still that just shit. hooked up on the word buffet. Yeah, they it's specifically B O O dash. Oh, oh, okay. I thought maybe you were. That's the way you said it. No, buffet. no, no. That's what they call it. They call it the buffet. buffet. You know, some people have their things that they, they you know, like, like Target. Like yeah, my brother like used Target. to say. We'll always my... say it, and you'd be like, "All right, please stop. Let's go to Target. Shut up. Just shut up." My friend used to say "booger." I'm like "booger." He's like "booger." I'm like "booger." He's like "it's got two O's." I'm like, "Dude, no one says booger." Mine was insurance. Insurance? In insurance. In. And I'm like, just call it insurance. No, they're like, no, it's insurance. I'm like, no, it's not. Just I'm say in. Or realtor, insurance. realtor. Yes. Like, just, oh, it's spelled realtor. It's yeah. realtor. Yeah, like, just, just say it the way everybody else does and move on. You're okay? a traitor. Yeah. You're a realtor. <laughs> so you went, and uh, they, they, you, get, you got the food. So I'm assuming you eat first, or you can eat whenever you want. Well, then you, you go. It's kind of the experience. You go, and they, they walk you to the buffet, and then you, oh, okay. you stuff your... You know, your big fat face with whatever you want. <laughs> As you should. I mean, if you're going to do it, uh, do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to do it, do it right. Eat the, Don't be eat going the fried. Is there just salad? Ugh. Do you have a salad? Yeah, people like that. And it's a, fine. And a large Coke, please. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, large, yeah, yeah, yeah. Half Coke, half Diet Coke. I'm just going to pour the Coca Cola on my salad. Oh. Yeah, um, what was the, what's the, con- what's the, what is that? What should, what's that money? What is that like? Ticket, fast pass, buffet. Parking. It's 100, 150 bucks. Oh, per person. So it's only $30 more for you to per person. Just, per person. Okay, and how long does this whole experience last? Well, they got they've got like I think about 8 mazes, 8 or 9 mazes. And so, oh, so it's not one thing. No, the whole park is completely transformed uh, in this okay. Halloween world. So you're wandering freely. Yeah, you're wandering around, uh, but then there's okay. mazes you go into and they're all themed differently. And I got to tell you, they're themed really well. Like from beginning to end, you're you're completely immersed in this experience. Okay, so they do a good job. They do a really good job. Universal used to be amazing, but Knott's Berry Farm by far just they got really? it down. They got it down. And then the, the rides are open there. as well, right? At, at Steve Martin worked at Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah, oh, Disneyland. Back in the day. Well, I, I think he did he both. Not, he did do both. He did both. Yeah. Uh, 
These are two guys that have read a book. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I we're standing up. Two guys. <laughs> Fuck. Um, <laughs> what books have you read, John? <laughs> I saw it on Mulberry Street and the places you'll go. Um, the rides are open though, right? Like, yeah, and you get front of line on the rides. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, so that's this is a, I, this is your for, okay. All right, well, it's not oh, bad. You're then. VIP yeah, of the yeah, whole yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's great. That's the way to do it. Yeah, 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 for sure. So that's why the family. So was that's why you enjoyed that whole thing. <laughs> and did you uh, did you guys use the VHSC? Did your mom bring that with so you guys could video the whole thing? Uh, she did. Yeah, she captured yeah. the <laughs> yeah with the little tracking button on the side <laughs> to get rid of all the white lines. <laughs> the tracking button with the digital zoom. Um. What, so what? Wait, what, what led all to that? Your mom isn't. Oh, you're referencing your mom. Oh, oh no, he was camera. talking about the mom bought the mom bought camera yeah. to the, and then you kind of took it over. I, yeah, I was watching TV one day, and I said I was thinking about the camera, and I'm like, I want to shoot some stuff. You know, I want to. Had shoot you something. never before that, or so was no. it literally just one of those things? It just started happening. I just was like, I want to record. I want to shoot something. So I ran upstairs. I got the cameras. I was sitting there watching TV. I was so tired of watching. Hold TV. on, you didn't ask. Well, no, I was home alone. That expensive. You know how expensive VHSCs were back then? No, my mom never. Seventeen thousand dollars for one of those cameras. <laughs> you just took it without asking. Yeah, I did. Yeah, just pulled it <laughs> right out of the closet. I mean, I was home alone. I mean, she wasn't going to know anyway. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I went up there, got the camera, and uh, set up my uh, action figures, and I had some play sets. But I would intercut those little scenes with you know Luke and like a Jurassic Park you know action figure. I would mix all these crossovers. You were doing crossovers. Oh yeah, why not? Mashups. You were making Robot Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> it turns out. Before Robot Chicken yeah. was a thing. Uh, but I would uh, intercut that with scenes from Star Wars. So if I had a, if the characters had to fly somewhere, I would, what I would do is I would set up the camera in front of the television and I would zoom in enough to frame out the edges yes. of the TV and, and I would you, record the TV. Yes. Just that part of like the Millennium Falcon flying away. Or That's like awesome. I had it going into the Death Star. Where are these yeah. movies? I don't have them anymore. Uh, They're gone. I have I have the old tapes, but in order for me to make new content, I erased the old movies because I had shown uh, it. I was done with it. So uh, none of the, a lot that. of this You're stuff. a real Rick Rubin. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> care. I was. I even recorded over the play because I needed a tape. I was like, <laughs> "No shit, you recorded over the Wizard of Oz. You being a monkey? I did. Yeah. Ugh, well, now the world will never know that no. glory. No, it wasn't a sight. I'll tell you. Come on, dude. No. You in a monkey suit? That's no, a sight I, for me. I would want to. I would want to see that. It was a terrible costume. I wasn't even. I didn't even have face point, makeup yeah. on. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I it didn't was expected to be movie quality at your middle school. Well, as play. long as <laughs> as long as they didn't say like you know, hey, should he get some makeup? And they're like, no, nah, I think he looks. No, he looks like a flying enough. monkey. He yeah, looks he close good. enough. Like, he but close I don't enough. have any costume on. You're fine. It's fine. Just You're good. Here, put this make, tail on. Make those eek noises. Yeah, fake like one of those devil tails and like a little ear thing you put on. So that's where it all started. So you. It sounds like. Um, you obviously had a creative mind, but when was it when you were like, all right, I got to take this to the next level, though? Like, when were you seriously, like, or did you just keep doing it over and over and over again? Well, I liked, I loved the idea of having something else coming out. So I liked making the movie, but also having something else ready to show. Okay, or so like, you were actually showing all, who were you, so you were grabbing, your friends come over, be like, hey, check out what I did. Oh, it was all family. Or? Like, I would, show, okay. I would show it, and they would have a, a great time. I think the they moment... They told you they were having a great time, or do you think they were having oh, a great time? Oh, it's probably total bullshit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's really cute, Sean. It's great. Okay, who's hungry? Let's get out of here. Let me show something else. Uh, they were, I mean, that's they were fa- that's what family's for. That's what, yeah. A wonderful lie. That's right. <laughs> um... But I think the moment where it got really real for me was when I went to high school and I signed up for the uh, broadcasting program. 
and uh, I did a a five part miniseries called The Coin, and it was an action adventure like series. It was like my dad got kidnapped, and he gave me this coin from when he was, you know, from his pirate ancestors, and this guy was trying to get the coin, so he kidnaps my dad to lure me in. It was this whole like elaborate thing. And did but, you write this? And did you? Yeah, I wrote it as I as I was shooting it. I didn't know where I was going with it. I just started. I just started writing this little script, and I started putting it together. And uh, I mean, it was pretty elaborate. We had like a tractor. I was crawling underneath it. We had fighting on the back of trucks, and I was, you know, playing. I had a, you know, movie score. This is when I started learning how to edit. So I was doing all this in iMovie, and I was learning how to, you know, cut. And but I still shot linear. Uh, uh, you still did it. Oh yeah. Okay. I still shot it in order. I probably should say now. Wh- and why? Once you were starting to edit, why did you continue to shoot it um, in order? I didn't think I understood the film language or how to get coverage on okay, one whole side. Okay, because you weren't really being taught and or and at this point we're not Googling how to make a movie. Yeah, and you don't have YouTube back in the day, yeah. you know, to like have some 12-year-old show you how to, right, you know, make a, program. edit a project. You know, oh, okay, here's what you got to do. Like and subscribe but, first. But also <laughs> to, to your point, like your your mind, your brain wasn't like like now when you when you look at a shoot, a shot list, and you like okay, we can shoot all this, this character out. You know what I mean? You're not, and it's like different chunks of the movies. The beginning, he's in the middle, and he's the end. We can shoot all his stuff in one day. We can shoot, and you have to like, your mind has to work differently. It has to be able to see all these different angles of how it's all going to come together. Like, b- learning to edit is probably the best thing a director one not the best, but one of the smarter things a director can do because as you're shooting, you're like, how is this going to look? After it's edited, you're not like, it's not two separate people. It's like one brain going, uh, this all has to fit together. Yeah, it's, I think it's really important for direct directors to start editing and learn that process. Because in that process, you know how to get better cut. I mean, I, I, I shot so much better once I started editing projects. Yeah. Um, the coin was actually a, a huge lesson for me because I learned how to shoot coverage and like get, one side of the... I mean, I still shot in order, but if I wanted to shoot somebody's over-the-shoulder on the left, I would shoot all their stuff on that side, and then I would learn to switch over. It was probably the extent of what I knew at that time as far as film language sure. went, but yeah. um, I still kind of shot in order. I grabbed, you know, what I needed. In the, I don't know. It was, I was learning at the time. I was yeah, figuring and, what, it out. and you're learning from movies you've seen. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. don't have a guy or, a, or like a teacher or a woman is like telling you this is how you do it. It's kind of like... You figuring it out on your own. But was this, was this for class? Well, so we had a show uh, every Friday morning. It was called Friday Morning Live. And it was like a 15-minute broadcast of, of various comp, you know, stuff that the class made. But it was showed 15 minutes before school started. Interesting. So I was like, I want to do like a series. So I just, I don't know, I wrote the first script of it. And I shot it and people liked it. And I set it up to make more. And then I just started going from there and uh, just kept shooting, kept writing. And, you know, it was did like, I need to wrap this up at some point. I was going to say, what was, was the, what was the, did the, did the series, how did you kind of conclude it? Like, I, I think I made a decision that I was going to do five or six episodes and then kill it. Because yeah. I knew school year was ending. And I think the, the episodes were about 10 minutes long. Wow. Okay. They were, they were. That's so you carried, that's it, you carried it out throughout like, the whole. Oh, yeah. That's like. So you actually carried it out throughout the whole school year. 
Yeah, I think it was like the last half of the school year because it was okay. like when I I think it was more when I was a senior. Oh, okay. At this point, had you made up your mind that you wanted to continue filmmaking, like that going into that world, or what were you thinking as far as when you were leaving high school? You know, honestly, I th- I think my whole entire life I've wanted to be in entertainment in some aspect. So okay. I think when fi- when I started shooting movies because I used to shoot movies with my friend Travis who would come over and we'd shoot like little James Bond movies. So we would do stuff outside of school before I even signed up for the broadcast program. So I think I already knew I wanted to do that before I even... Before you even knew and you wanted it was just It was just instinct. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to sign up for. And it's the thing you liked. Like, did you watch a lot of TV and movies as a kid? You know, honestly, not really. I, really? I, I, watched, a, I watched a lot of stuff over and over. Uh, I watched like The Goonies. I would watch oh, E.T. a lot. I've never seen The Goonies. Yeah, that's a weird. Okay, thing. well, the podcast is over. Yeah, I just I wanted know, to see dude. where you I were. At he would, that. I wish he wouldn't say that because it like makes it's like saying like, oh, I used to be a Nazi. It's like no, but I've seen ET. what now? <laughs> like my, my son's named Elliot is named after ET. So uh, I've seen, I've seen, I, I got you know, fifty percent. I got it. Elliot's yeah. not named after ET. Elliot's named after a character in the movie ET. ET's first name is Elliot. Terrestrial, okay. So, <laughs> his Elliot, his, his, you didn't his, know that. That's why they bonded. They both actually, had the same name. Actually, have you not paid attention to that film? Et's last name isn't Terrestrial. It's Tanner. Elliot Tanner. <laughs> Elliot Tanner. Tanner. So yeah. those are both your kids' names. So, all right, yeah. So, um, uh, anyway. Oh, uh, so yeah. I wasn't a big movie watcher. Um, I tried to really kind of get into it. I don't know. Just something about it. I just I didn't watch a lot of movies when I was a kid. I think when I got a little older in high school, I tried to like go. Okay, I need to start watching like the top one hundred. You sort of figured out that learn from the ones you like about how to go about doing what you want. Favorite to do. director? I mean, I lo- you know honestly, I really I mean Spielberg is everybody's favorite because I think that's the awe and aura of being a director and a filmmaker. But uh, honestly, I really like Joe Johnston. Uh, he did The Rocketeer. He did Honey I Shrunk the Kids. I mean, not that these are like classic films, but what they were fun. Are? Rocketeer was probably one of my favorites by far. Oh, but like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is a pretty classic. I mean, it's a classic movie at this point. Yeah, I mean, just it's not like a, you know, you hear a film critically like, acclaimed. Oh, I really love Honey, yeah, I Shrunk right, the Kids. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> but Rick Moranis isn't on Inside the Actors Studio. Like, how did you shrink your children? Like, that's not a thing that's <laughs> happening. But I think I pull from everybody. Like, I, I I really love Robert Zemeckis. I think he's he's a very underrated director. And and. Not underrated. I mean, he's pretty popular. I don't know what yeah, I'm talking about. yeah. I mean, he directed Forrest Gump, right? Forrest Gump. Uh, you know, What Lies Beneath. Uh, Back to the Future. I mean, he's done some really Heard great of those. films. Uh, and John Favreau. I really love his career. You know, as an actor and then as as a filmmaker. And you know, he's he's taken off. A little Favreau going on. Maybe I it's feel like, you know, little glasses. Yeah, maybe it is a glasses. I like Favreau too. I saw. Um, uh, what was I going to say? The uh, Swingers. Uh, I saw that when I was in college, and I was like, yeah, this is a pretty good movie. And then I saw it again after living out here for six months, and I was like, oh, this is a great movie. <laughs> like, oh, I get it now. It was really yeah, funny. Yeah, Doug Lyman, I believe, directed that, and he went on to do uh, he's he's action tons of flicks stuff, now. Yeah. Yeah, he got, which, I, which I've never understood. I'm fascinated by people that, and, and you know this because you direct, like it's, I understand the concept of directing and storytelling and stuff like that, but Going from swingers and that going medium budgets, low budget stuff to that's dialogue massive heavy. budgets, massive like uh, cars driving over you know uh, bridges and exploding and f- and fighting like th- that's a completely different style of prep work and, and creation and and crazy. shots shots and and posts and all that. I'm always <laughs> like, oh my god, how do these people do this? Do they go into like extreme anxiety because that's a lot of moving parts. 
just to get it to work. I remember watching like um, a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and there was this like over the top fight scene. I can't remember where there was a ball. Something was rolling around, and like Johnny Depp, there was still a fight going on, all this stuff. And I was watching the choreography of this. I'm thinking to myself, first you had to write that, then you had to figure out how to shoot that, then you had to bring all these you extra, had to block these it different people, like yeah, all this stuff, it and, and, it, and it. you had to hope that this worked in the end in post. Like that's a lot of anxiety. I mean, it's a lot of budget, but it's a lot of anxiety. I mean, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? You, is it? Do you ever watch stuff like that and go, "Holy shit, that's well, you, a lot." Well, you kind of go, "Where do you start?" You know, yeah, like, like, where like do watching you Game of Thrones, like a big battle. You're like, "What? What's day one of this shoot? Like, what do you?" Now you charge him with a sword. We'll go from there. Like, from what I heard, in you know, like what a lot of filmmakers do, or a lot of productions do, they try and make the first day easy and doable, so they can set up the rest of the shoot. So they'll, you know, kind of do a scene that they can definitely accomplish, and they can, you know, they kind of start slow. I mean, I'm sure a show like Game of Thrones, they're a well-oiled machine, and they know all the elements that go into it. But you know, I think the key is is trusting your your team yeah. and trusting who you've hired. That's why a lot of people. It's hard to break into industry because everybody uses the same people, and yeah, you know, and every you, you've built a, a system, you know. And like you said, team, like you, it's like a, just not to be lame, but like it's with sports, like you have as if you're a director, if you're a pitcher, you have to know that the people behind you are gonna have be play defense, that yeah. they're gonna catch the fly balls, that they're gonna make the plays at first, that they're gonna focus the fucking camera, that they're gonna make sure that you're the actors, you know, what I mean, they're gonna help you get all the shit you need to do. In order to create something yeah, like that. Yeah, there is no such thing as doing it by yourself. And anybody who ever takes all the glory, is, it's just kind of sad. But so what you're saying is you're still working with everybody from high school? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Same, crew. Same, Same crew. Same crew. Same everybody. Okay, I just want to make sure. But, yeah. but just in the action. Because otherwise you're a jerk if you've left those people behind. You guys worked on a miniseries <laughs> together. It's like, that's a lifetime. Okay, a miniseries. Yeah, lifetime, lifetime friendship. Yeah, I think all of them have kids now. They're all married. <laughs> they've all, they've all kind of moved on from mm. the idea. They work in, an, in insurance. The insurance. <laughs> Um, but just the the thing that you had at uh, the Chicago Film Festival was my death co, which is the thing that we're working on together mm-hmm. uh, that you and Ben Hammond created and came up with the concept and wrote, and then you've directed every episode. And uh, just in the the difference of like having to do an episode where there is no like action action, then having to like do an episode where somebody falls in a pool and is supposed to you know be injured, just that small amount of action was enough to be like, wow, this is a whole nother chunk of stuff we have to do that's just adds complication and adds a level of difficulty that wasn't there before. You know what I mean? So it's like, I can't, when I see like a Jackie Chan movie, I'm like, who's the one who comes in on day one and is like, okay, let's, let's get this movie made. Like, I would be like, ah, I gotta go. I, I, gotta, I have something else I have to do. I'd run away. There is part of it. This the the uh, uh, there there is a machine that's already in place in certain elements. You know, there's the kind of, like you said. There's the go-to people, which is what makes things so hard to get into when you get to a certain level because there's only a certain amount of people that specialize in certain things, and so they're going to get the majority of the work, and then slowly people within those worlds break off and start doing their own thing. That at that big level, that's kind of you know I think how that stuff works. I guess you know for my, my another question I have for you is obviously. The people that you've listed off um, uh, all make sense. They also make um, very big movies, right? Bigger movies, bigger storytelling, you know? 
it's funny that each one of them one each one of those uh, people have made movies that have captured the innocence of children and and the way the world the way we see it as in from a childlike point of view right so obviously there's a lot of that stuff there i'm just curious like where do you see yourself within those people that inspire you what do you want to do do you see yourself falling into those same patterns do you do you desire to make large budget movies like that or like what's your world that you want to that you're trying to find for yourself you know i think for a long time i action was like kind of my thing i really loved the big grand you know explosions and action and movement and music and you know i say i still think i have that desire in me to do that um and i think i got i feel like i could do it really well i just you know i need that opportunity and that budget yeah, yeah the budget is yeah the budget and the, and the right idea you don't want to just throw an action movie or an action scene in there if it's not necessary. But I think the last few years, especially the, the, the minute I moved to L.A., I realized I, I humbled myself down a bit because, you know, I was, a, I was a big fish in a little pond in Vegas. You know, I, I was, you know, I, I had made really good stuff and, you know, I was definitely up there in Vegas. But, you know, I knew when I came out to L.A. it was going to be a little different and Shit, man! You start from the bottom. <laughs> was, dude. You start you from do. the bottom. You start all over again. How no one cares here? what you did in Vegas. It's like it's like it's just stepped over. You're like, hey, I made all this stuff, and they're like, yeah, but everybody goes through that experience, yeah. and I think it's important to go through that experience. I think you know, it's it's like weight training, right? It's like you know, you're developing <laughs> I would something. Not know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what I mean, but you need to you needed to do that first because no one was gonna let you do that stuff out here. No, and but the thing is, that Vegas. I feel like Vegas. And their film, their film community in Vegas. I feel like they're they're in their own little world, and I, I don't mean to say it in a demeaning kind of way. Like I, you know, there's some really great filmmakers in Vegas, and I, I you know, I've worked with them, and they're great people. Uh, but a lot of them have this idea that they know how the industry works, and that Hollywood's coming there, and it was just all this like, you know, somebody would come up to you, and they'd be like, "Oh man, I own this company, and I want to shoot this thing," and Let's do it, man. I'm I'm all for it. Let's you know. Let's make something, and they'll flake out and they'll disappear. You know, and that happens here in L.A. But if somebody is for real, it's it's the real thing. You yeah. know, you're not going to be this big guy in Vegas. You're going to be this big guy in L.A., which L.A. is a pipeline to the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, we just crank out content like crazy, and there's so many creative people. But yeah. Um. So when did you come out here? Uh, I've been here seven years. Seven years. Okay. And uh, baby. Yeah, I'm still kind of fresh, but I mean, I, I that's okay. I yeah, okay. We need we need <laughs> some fresh, right? <laughs> no, no, we need fresh. We need fresh. But uh, it was a huge thing for me, you know, when I came here and I saw these films, and I was just like, man, this stuff is good. I thought my stuff was good, but man, this stuff is really good. And you're talking about seeing other people's independently made stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff online. I'm just like, how do they get that look? How do they get that? You Are you know, inspired by it or intimidated by it? Just out of curiosity. Well, I mean. At this point, I feel like I, I could say I was inspired because I'm still doing it. I'm still going right. strong, and I, I feel like you know I'm finally kind of getting there. But uh, it was definitely intimidating. But I think you know you have to turn that around and focus on what you want and what you want to do and what you want to accomplish because uh, you can't let that fool you. Cause no. I mean, that's, everybody that's also the difference between you and someone who looks at those videos and was like, oh, I can't do that, and then walked away. Well, and you also have to remember that, and there's a million stories to back this up, there's more stories to back this ideology up than all this, the one-hit wonder stories or the person who walks off the street and everything works out for them is the fact that it's, it's showing up 
and just doing it and participating is a, is the majority of the game. Persistence is, is a big part of it with a little bit of luck, but it's mostly persistence because this business, if, if, if you stick around long enough and you pay attention, and I mean no disrespect by what I'm about to say, but the greatest stuff doesn't always get made. It's not about that. It's about right moment, right place, the product that those people wanted to make at that point. And you have to, you have to kind of just get in the stream. Get in the stream and do something so they want to start working with you. And yeah, sometimes you're gonna want to make they're gonna want you to make something for them that you don't want to make, but it also allows you to make the stuff that you want to make. Does that make sense? Like it's yeah. it is a business and it is a stream, and it's not if you spend your whole time being uh, intimidated by the, the the most creative people, then you might as well just get out now because there's a gazillion of them out here, and then, like then you've kind of missed the point of what this is all about. It's 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 freedom of expression, it's creative expression, and everybody has their own way of doing it. Oh, absolutely. I totally, totally agree with that. Um, I had a point I was going to make, and I totally forgot what I, it was. I made it for you. <laughs> yeah, you did a great job. You explained it all for me. Yeah, I mean, I used to get intimidated in the early, you're talking about YouTube, when YouTube first came out, you know, are the people that rose to the top were the ones that had figured out the early concept of CGI, and everybody's fascination went straight to that. And after a while, you realize that it was great, but it was lacking storytelling, but everybody was so in awe of what people could do on a limited budget from a CGI standpoint, that that's where the focus went, and they stopped, you know, paying attention. To, what about all this? I didn't do any CGI, but I had this. I told this really great story, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," but there was no. I mean, you didn't make like you know mountains move and stuff like that. And it's just like it all eventually comes back around, and it works itself out. You know, you just have to keep doing your thing. You know, I'm, I'm so sick of CG. Like it's just there's there's too much. It's just everything is relied on. And I, I know it cuts budget down because you could put a green screen in the background and, you know, emphasize or, or, or uh, uh, add extra in the background or create an environment back there. But I just feel like it's too much. I just, you know, like. Do you, do you think there's might be a, there might be a move kind of like people that with that same mentality who are moving towards doing practical stuff when they can't? Like, like when you hear that Mad Max Fury Road was like 90% practical stunts, you're like. I'm going to watch that movie again because you're so used to going, yeah, they can do whatever with computers, so of course they did that. Then you find out that these people are really swinging on poles and shit, and you're like, wait, what? How did that get done? Like, yeah, Cirque du Soleil. Have you never been to one? <laughs> I used to a- work with Cirque du Soleil. There it is. Yeah, I've seen it all in the flesh. Um, so let's go back to that. Oh, wait, we'll really get- quick. Oh, really yeah. quick though, like, just, <laughs> do you feel like that there, is a, there, is, there might be a... a kind of a move towards more practical filmmaking and less relying on that kind of effect. I feel like there was, and then Marvel just came in and went, yeah. nope. But here's the good thing that Marvel did is they've created really great stories, and they've created, really, they've created a really awesome universe to work in and for us to really connect with these characters. And it's very heavy CG, but I'm so invested in the story that... Yeah. It doesn't. That part's fine to me. You know, you almost have to do that in a Marvel movie. But yeah, I was going to say, there's not. I don't know how you're practically going to make superheroes fly around and shit. But like, no, it's not that. But they've definitely changed. Look, the landscape of as a filmmaker, um, I think some people are concerned that you know you grew up in an, in an environment where you're the idea of success was to make a film that would be played on the big screen in all the multiplexes in the United States of America and in the world. Those days are slowly coming to an end. If you are doing Star Wars and you are doing Marvel, then you're probably going to have that happen. For the rest of us, it's called Welcome to the Future, which is live streaming, the Netflix, the Amazon, the independent, you know, uh, the independent distribution. 
uh, chain is what it's going to become. Theaters in the home. I got a theater in my basement here. It's like that's the, that's the future. And you have to kind of be okay with that and know that you're still getting the numbers. You're just not getting them all in one place anymore. Everybody's seeing it wherever they are. And are, are you kind of like on that same uh, train with me or do you still see the are, are you still trying to be the guy that wants to create the experience in the theater and that would be the end game for you i want to create the experience in the theater i'd at least like to experience that a little bit before it dies because i think that's where the industry is going to go but i think any smart filmmaker needs to mold and bend with the industry in some way you know uh i was huge i mean my defco to go back to that uh it was supposed to be a feature and we decided to make it into a, a tv show just because they're buying up content like crazy. Yeah. And, you know, but my philosophy was I want to make really, really good content and shoot it and make it look like a real Netflix show or, you know, a really well-produced project. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, we found this little nook with the, like a web series and we're getting a lot of, you know, positive feedback on it because I think but, it's... But I think a lot of that positive feedback comes from the fact that it doesn't look like when you hear the word web series, like it, people cringe. It has a it yeah. has a generic it a negative connotation. It has a, ne- it a negative kind of generic tone to it. But when you see my death co, from the first shot of the first episode, it looks like a motion picture. It looks like a film. It looks like something that if you saw on a big screen, you'd be like, yeah, no, they made a movie. Yeah, look at this. It's a movie. What did you shoot it on? What do you shoot it on? Uh, we've stuck. We've been with Sony cameras for each episode now. We switch between the A7S and the FS7. Um, it, so I, I alternate between two different DPs, uh, pretty much because it's based on whoever's available. Uh, but my because uh, that's independent filmmaking is yeah. like trying to get people's schedules to match up. Like, there's a whole bunch of shit we can talk about. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's a it's whole other world with that. Um, not easy. It's not easy, but it's. Uh, you know, if it was easy, you know, everybody Every, would do exactly. It. But, but Dude, I do, and we'll get it. to Cirque du Soleil at some point in the show. But I, um, I do have a question. Like going back to the relationship and building a relationship. So let's let's just we'll we'll stick with my death code just for a second here. Sure. Um, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you did you come out here and know a lot of people? How did you develop a group of of people that you could start working with? Or did you when you did this did you end up working with a lot of strangers? To get going, like, t- take us through that process for you of like how you have built like you know your group, the people that you work with. Okay, so I when I lived in Vegas, I knew a couple people out here in L.A. Uh, one was uh, one I had moved in with when I first came out here. She really helped me get on my feet and get moving. So I I appreciate her to death. Um, we all have that person. We all have that. We did have you, to. Did have you that. stay long enough or too long? No, I was I I, st- I lived with her about six months. And it was getting to a point where I was like, you know, what? I need to get my own place. I need to get, I need my own space. I had just gotten a job at Apple. So I was like, I need to, I need to get, I need to move out. I need yeah. to get my own joint. So, um, and I knew another friend uh, who lived out in Long Beach. So he was a filmmaking guy. Lisa wasn't really, she, she was dabbling in it at the time, but um, not, a, not enough to like have her as a lead. But uh, I had another friend who was a big, uh, he's actually got a few things distributed and, and out. So, I, you know, he's done a really good job. So uh, he was a good contact to know. And I think I just kind of started from there. He knew a few people, and I would start using some people that he used. And then I just kind of sourced around. Some of them I've, I've gotten from, like, references from other friends and or other productions. I would, you know, you chat with the sound guy, you chat with, the, you, know, uh, you know, a grip or something like that. And right. then they, they connect to everybody. But 
I think all in all, you just need to be a good person and be genuine and, you know, like, want to help and work on something cool, you know. Yeah, and what you found, Mark worked with you at Apple, right? Mark worked with me at Apple, so that's where that relationship had And then Sam is the other DP that you used? Uh, Andres. Andres. And Andres is an old friend from Vegas, and he moved out here. Uh, And he's got a ton of gear, and he's been doing this stuff for a long, long time, so... He was uh, he was a really good mentor as I was growing up. He kind of, you know, yeah. He would kind of keep me in check to like get my tech knowledge down mm-hmm. and you know, reference things correctly, like a wide shot or you know, medium shot or not a dolly saying or the a wrong track. phrase or. But term. I still do it. You well, know? So, okay, so you did did you? We didn't cover this earlier, but you did or did not go to film school. Uh, or are you just a practical learner? Are you the guy that just it's just a, go and do it? It's complicated. <laughs> um, so I Facebook did, status. That's what. Yeah, that's what your Facebook <laughs> status. That's is? my Facebook status on my career. <laughs> um, so I went to CSN, which is you know community college. It was community college in in Vegas. Um, I was I being a slack off in school. I never really got the best of grades. I had the ability to do it, and I understood the content, but, you know. You don't know. have to justify with me. Yeah. You're talking to a career loser. Here. Okay. I, I am nothing but a shithead. <laughs> <laughs> That's how people would see me, just a disruptor. Okay, well. So anyway. I, I totally understand. Uh, so anyway, I don't, I've lost my track of thought here. Oh, uh, no, well, I was just film school. I was asking you about your process, how you, and you said it was complicated. It was complicated, so I bad grades. So, yeah, community college, because I used to ditch class and go to, the edit base at the broadcast class so I could finish editing the Does coin. your mom know about this? I like, I like who, how you're who ditching. Paid for college? Who paid for college, one, and does she know, if she paid for it, does she know what you're doing? Are you about to get you in trouble? Well, high, this was high school. Yeah, when I would ditch class. Okay. But I like how you're ditching class. Okay, does your mom know about productive. this? I just want to know at what point you're going to get in trouble during this podcast because your not, mom is... Oh, no, she man. doesn't. No, I yeah. mean, you know, what is she going to do? Grew up in Vegas. Me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's going to ground you. Sean, now, you're just, you're going to have to stay inside the whole rest of the weekend. We're not doing anything. But I mean, like, like when I blew off class, it was to like, you know, go get high under a bridge somewhere or whatever. Like, like you, I was a chicken shit. Like, I was afraid to leave school. I didn't want to get in you. Like, you're like, I'm ditching class and I'm gonna go finish my editing. Like, you like you like ditched to go be more productive. Than yeah, you would I mean, be at the end of the classroom. day, as we all learn, as the older we get, practical experience is everything, right? Like, ultimately, that's that's the greatest schooling you're ever gonna have. So obviously, you know, yeah, you may have ditched some classes, but it sounds like you were doing some stuff that, in the end. Benefited you? Yeah, I didn't care. I was like, I was in my math apps class, and like the first half we did some work, and then the rest of it was just like goofing around. So I was, I you know, honestly, I would ask my teacher if I could leave. So I mean, I didn't really like. Well, there's a few times I ditched. Okay, so you didn't crawl out underneath the desk. No, but I my other teacher was mad because she was like, I did. I guess I did ditch a couple classes. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's okay. About it. It's gonna be yeah, okay. Yeah, believe me, it's fine. No it's one's okay. gonna really. Uh, yeah. I'm not gonna get grounded. John ditched yeah. classes, and look at how he turned out. It's everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> now I do a podcast. <laughs> That's right. It's someone else's house with a dad, <laughs> with, with a guy, <laughs> two kids. Oh, I don't have any kids. <laughs> I just weird. That's all been a shame. A lot. These are my children. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, all right, so anyway, so pra- so you did or did not ever go to film school? Okay, yeah, I know we keep we keep yeah. trying to get there. That's okay. okay. This so is, this is how we do it. I didn't get the best grades in school. So I did end up going to CSN. But here's the thing. I never took any core classes. I just took film classes. So I, I didn't take math or science or anything. I, took, I, I didn't even get a degree. I, I was going to say, took, so you weren't going after a degree. You were just going after some basic knowledge. I wanted gear, man. I yeah. wanted stuff, you yeah. know. And were you allowed to go, going through the school, you could use their stuff? Oh, yeah. You, yeah. They would give us, uh, they had DVX. They had VX100s, the, the Sony cameras. Uh, they had you know microphones. They had lights, like yeah. good light kits, like airy kits. Like, yeah, but that's key. Like program. you said, that allowed you to then not have to worry about 
spending your own money to rent uh, gear or buy gear. Um, How long in the process of your filmmaking career did you realize, oh, my God, sound is everything? Oh, <laughs> I learned it pretty fast, but I didn't know how to remedy it. I was like, because I, my theory was you had to own all this stuff. So I would, you know, whenever I'd come to visit L.A. and I'd go to like a film store, I'm like, like fuck, I got to buy the stand. I got to buy these lights. I got to buy all this stuff. Like, I didn't realize that the concept of rentals. Was I was going to say, you wanted to, you're trying to be a one man production company. Yeah, I didn't know how else to do it. I'm sitting there like, OK, this is how naive I was. I thought they actually played the music. While they were shooting the film, <laughs> they just wheel the guy around on a keyboard. That so, is, uh, that would be hilarious. Like, all right, start <laughs> the orchestra over, and action. Well, I figured they had the music already done, but they would play the the they would play the music while the camera was rolling. Sure. So whenever they cut the camera, they would cut the music too. Oh, you're talking about like anything? Yeah, I remember the first time I ever saw it. Like, I I, I was I, there was this nightclub scene. Yeah, people and they're like no and music. action and there's like no music and like nobody else, everyone else is fake talking like there no one's talking except for the two leads and I was just like it was the first time I'd ever seen that I'm like what the what the fuck is going on you're like this looks fake action this looks why is it this looks really noise? fake guys. I didn't know there was loopers hell I didn't even know there was loopers until we met Sally so I didn't I didn't right. know all this other stuff that was going on you know behind the scenes it's just so funny when you first but again that's what you need to do you in learn. order to learn. You have to fail at a lot of this stuff in order to get it figured out. Oh, did I fail? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. A, I, I did a lot of failing. So uh, back to college on failing. Yeah, I never got a degree, so I did. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I it, honestly. You know what comes to the really degree? Debt. So congratulations. Oh yeah, everybody I know is still trying to pay off their yeah. student debt. I I'm just like, paid mine off. Oh, there Good he is. You. You're the first Good one. You. Yeah, but if you could have known how little the amount it was and how long it took, you'd. Want to oh, fight okay. me? Fifteen hundred dollars. Why would I want to yeah, fight you over fifty thousand years? <laughs> um, uh, anyway, dollar a month. But so, so learning sometimes, yeah, or defer for like three years and then come back to it. Um, so, but it sounds like most of it was practical experience. Like you just basically go out and do it. That's how you learn. So the reason why I was asking that is because you guys were kind of joking about I didn't want to say the wrong things or the lingo or whatever. And that is just because like that that a lot of that stuff you had to learn on the fly by either listening to other people and going why did they say that or. Yeah, I think in when I was at CSN, I did learn some of the terminology, mm-hmm. and I I had a film directing book that I would read, and it just looked too complicated. All these like lines and stuff, and I think when I. When I did eventually move to L.A. and I started watching a lot more movies, I understood that more. So yeah. when I went back to those books, because I still have those books. I still read them now and again. If I'm going to direct a project, I'll kind of look, look sometimes little something. I'm like, oh, that might be a cool angle to do that. But um, it's uh, – oh, crap. What was I going to say? I'm sorry. I'm losing I'm That's losing all right. Track. You were talking about uh, – We were just talking about filmmaking in general. Going back to the thing about shots, are you – what kind of storyteller are you? Are you are, are you are you are you very active with the cinematographers and the DPs as far as the look, or are you more like listen? This is what we got to do, and you rely more on their opinions of like what it should look like. Just out of curiosity, I am very hands on with the camera, okay. but I'm very open to suggestions. Okay, you know, like I, I I like to make my projects like a community. Like I want everybody to feel like they can give input. Uh, that might bite me in the ass later. I'm sure, like at a certain point, like everybody will have an well, opinion, and at some point, you have to cut it off. So you have, say, so you have you, 37 hour film days because you wait until everybody's gotten their. Th- no, their... I actually shoot very fast. I try to keep my shoots very, very tight. But also, you give people input, but your job is then knowing what input to accept and what input to reject, and not in a harsh way, but in a way that's like, 
yeah, that idea is never going to fly, or that idea might work. Let's give it a shot. We can do it with not waste daylight and whatever. Yeah, I think there's a delicate way to say it. You know, it doesn't work, and it's just like, hey, we can give it a try, or you know, I don't think that's going to work. But what about this? You know, trying to find something positive in what they're saying. Would, would and help. also, best idea should win. Like, if you're thinking of doing it one way, and like, let's say, like a DP is like, you know, if you just did this, and you're like, oh, you know what? That's awesome. Let's do it that way. I love that. Yeah, sometimes you just shoot it twice. You know, like you just just do yeah. it again and just change that perspective. I mean, we don't we're pretty run and gun on our shoots anyway. So either we're we're, we're handheld or we have a steady cam or we have a dolly, uh, Dana dolly, and we could just easily move that around. So it's not a big deal to move it. You know, we got people to do that yeah. stuff. You know, so it's like let's just try it. What's the big deal? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and, and then and and then like you have more to work with in editing, and you just have more like. Obviously, you always want to shoot so much more than you ever would possibly need because of the biggest problem or fear you would have would be going into an edit bay and then being like, we don't have enough. Yeah. Oh, there's so many times I went, yeah, you shithead. Why didn't you get that shot? You suck. Again, part of the process, so you're never going to win that battle, right, until you have so much money that you can solve every problem. And even then, sometimes you still don't get the greatest project There's still issues. There's a budget for pickups. There's a, you know, like... Even the big wigs do it. So at a certain point, you just go, you know what? I'm just going to create. I'm just going to yeah. work. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. And you can't let that stop you. No, so you got to do your what, best. What is the uh, lamest, worst thing you've made? Like that you look at and you cringe. Like, oh, oh God. God. I got, there's some stuff when I was in that my buddy, my Travis, uh, my friend Travis and I would do when he would come over. We made something called the fishing pole. And uh, he's going to hate that I bring this up, but at least I'm not showing any footage. I do have footage of that. Um, but basically, it was a, he used to come over every almost every other weekend mm-hmm. and just kind of hang out. We lived kind of far apart. We didn't go, go to the same school, so this is how we kind of hung out. And uh, he had this idea. He's like, oh, man, let's do this fishing pole movie. So it was basically he would come over. I had bought a new fishing pole. But then I had to go in and take a huge shit, and we refer to it as a green apple splatter. Okay. Um, so I had to go we'll get to a- that later with Cirque du Soleil. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the bathroom, and he was playing with this collapsible fishing pole that I had just bought, and he ends up breaking it. So he was trying to fix it while I'm in the bathroom, you know, shitting my brains out. But it just, we had this inner cut back and forth with me in the bathroom shitting my brains out. I'm making the most obnoxious sounds. I get a giant wad of toilet paper to set up like I'm going to wipe with it, but then I wipe my face. You know, just like, you know, old shitty humor. And then he's in the other room trying to collapse the fishing pole because it's not working right. And then I come back, and I don't even realize it's broken. And then, you know, we leave, and it's just stupid. But, yeah, it's very cringe. (laughs) Oh yeah, it was a, we did a three-part uh, trilogy. We did a Lord it's of the Rings style, and, and it's a, a green apple splatter. Green apple splatter. I've Does heard your that, mom though. has your mom heard of the green apple splatter? She's seen the the fishing pole a few times, so she's but does well she aware. know the na- the terminology green apple? I'm sure splatter. that's where he learned it. Oh, <laughs> that's why I, I've heard that term. My mom used to use that term. Like she'd say uh, green apple two step, green apple splatter. Oh, two step. So it's a little bit more old school. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I, I never got the birds and the bees conversation. I got the green apple splatter. Oh, you got the different green. kinds of shits you could take. Conversation. Progressive, yeah, yeah progressive. Depending family. on yeah. what you eat, Sean, your bowels may adjust accordingly. Well, you know, I may panic if I, you know, shitting out a bowl of chili and it looks <laughs> green, you know. It should, somebody's got to explain that, you know. I'd panic, or I, I would assume I drank a lot of Budweiser, because that, for whatever reason, turns my poops green. What? And that's where we know more about John. Oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. Back to Cirque du Soleil. So you... 
Did Rich so uh, obviously you, you you grew up in Vegas? Did you grow up in the city? Like where, where, when people say I grew up in Vegas, that that means a lot of different things. Obviously, so like were you actually in Vegas proper? Well, Vegas, Vegas is all one big city, but there's different areas of Vegas. So you have uh, picture picture someone from the Midwest whose only experience in Vegas is the Strip, and they're assuming that you guys lived in a house right off of that, and it was the house had broken windows. So the Strip assume, is like the hub. Yeah, it's like the 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 blood vein of of Vegas, and everything kind of spreads out from yeah. there. And the only real different area, like a different city, is Henderson. Right. Yeah. And but people say they live in Henderson, but they're they're actually technically in Henderson. It's not Vegas, so it's a whole different mayor, different, yeah, a whole different city altogether. But everything else is in Vegas. So they say I live in Summerlin, you're in Vegas, yeah. Or I live in North Las Vegas, you're in Vegas. Did uh, you live in the cops version or like the, from the cops TV show, or were you like more of a normal? Uh, well, I think for a while uh, when I was when I was younger, uh, you know, for, we lived in a really rough neighborhood. It was, uh, you know, it was near Henderson. It was like Parkdale. It was Boulder Highway. Very, very old part of Bay, like where the showboat used to be, uh, Boulder Station's there. It's just, okay. it's a really old area. Okay. So, um, it, it's, you know, I don't want to say it's like the hood, but it was, you know, it was a little, it was a little rough. Dicey. We like to call it dicey. It's a little dicey. Like, you don't want to ride your, I, I don't think I could ride my bike in the street or go around the corner. I, we had like one strip of street and she's like, you can't don't go. leave this. You can't go any further <laughs> than that corner. So whenever I'd see the house, I got to turn the bike around and go back like, on the sidewalk. Are your your family uh, all from Vegas for generations, or no? Or that that was not the case. Um, a lot of them were born in California, okay. and then they've migrated to Vegas and just okay. <laughs> plopped why there. Why was why? I, I'm not going to ask your mom directly. I'll just ask you through your mom. Sure. Why, why, what what brought your parents to uh, Vegas? Um, I think family. Okay. My mom uh, lived in uh, Hesperia. Was that where it was? Not yes. Okay, Hesperia. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, her family, you know, her mom and everything, they, they took her back to, to Vegas. Okay. Oh, so before, so, okay, so she'd been there for quite a while. Oh, yeah, I mean, everybody's, yeah, the whole family's been, yeah. even my, my dad's side of the family, they're all okay. Vegas as well. Okay, so yeah. I just assume everybody, Vegas. Vegas, L.A., it seems like everybody always, like, some form of transplant, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like nobody ever really seems to live there for an extended period of time. So yeah, the, you guys the, had some grounded roots there for quite a while. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're definitely, I mean, I was born and raised out there, yeah. so, and a lot of my family was as well. So, you know, th- Vegas d- runs deep in the veins, so, um, yeah. Is there a Vegas vibe? Like, do you, like p- people, like, is there a thing or not really? Or is it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, if John and I ever say, like, John says, I'm from Chicago, people kind of go, oh, yeah, I kind of understand the, the Chicago or the Midwestern sensibilities. Does Vegas really have that or not really? Have you noticed? I, you know, Vegas, Vegas is, there's a weird group of, I, I don't want to say weird, like, they're all, like, weird, but there's, there's desert definitely folk. a. folk. There's very, yeah, they're desert folk. There's a lot of. Uh, country folk, you know, out there, you know, and they have the rodeo that comes out. So there's a lot of, you know, I think a lot of Midwest people come out there uh, and and party and oh, yeah. hang out. But some of them don't leave and they stay. And I was gonna know. say, but don't, doesn't that like I feel like everyone who comes to Vegas to visit just treats it like a toilet and then takes off. I mean, I think people that come and visit, but I mean, a lot of them just come and stay and they live there. And yeah. you know, they, there's some really Great people in Vegas, you know. But yeah, I've never. It's it's funny. Like everybody I've met from there, I I wouldn't. I, I would have absolutely no idea where they had come from because there's re- there's really no like yeah, there's no defining thing. Where you're like, yeah. oh, this guy's like. Whereas you meet someone from Florida, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. Nice there's tail. certain places. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> oh, I see you're smoking your Marlboro Reds past the filter. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, I, Jacksonville. Ah, interesting. Uh, now, but that, like Vegas, I like like 
Like, Sam Tripoli is technically from Vegas. Yeah. But I don't look at Sam and go, now that's a Vegas guy. Like, there's a, there's a range. There's, you know, you got the people at the local bars, and you could tell they've got their permanent seat at their, yeah. you know, their at their gambling station, at the bar, and yeah. they've been cranking in their entire paychecks there every week. And then you got some guys like, you know, like Brendan Flowers from The Killers, who's, you know, totally looks like an L.A. guy, but he's a Vegas guy. So yeah, you have yeah. a whole range of, of people that live out there. So how did you get into the Cirque, Cirque du Soleil business? So it's not as spectacular as we've been saying. No, yeah. no, no. He was like, I started as a trapeze artist. Yeah. Like, no, I figured he wasn't good. actually one of the Cirque du Soleil people or whatever they're called. Oh, well, yeah. thanks for... Yeah, yeah right, Jesus. Well, how do you know? That. He could have been a rodeo clown I've and seen they those saw people. him in a barrel. They're and freakish. They're, like, <laughs> yeah, they are. they're not afraid to die. <laughs> a lot of them are actually from Canada. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're very... Uh, they're French-Canadian. French-Canadian. Yeah. yeah, okay. But... I used to work in the, the the snack area, so I would serve popcorn and drinks to the uh, people that would come, and uh, I did that for like two years. Just but the snack guy. That I was, was your the, gig. That I was, was the gig. snack guy. Well, you okay. worked at a concession stand. You didn't walk around with snacks. No, I worked at the concession stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with the with you a group weren't like in the people. middle of the performance. No. like popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> just popcorn just here. Everything. Lady falls off a tightrope. Like popcorn. All right, popcorn's half off. <laughs> <laughs> Show's over, everyone. Um, um, you did that for two years, so you weren't in Cirque du Soleil. You, I wasn't in it, but I worked the concession specific to Cirque du Soleil. So, you know, we worked in the back. You know, where yeah. the, t- the ticket office was right there, and we worked You're part within of the, the system. Show. I was was part that of the where, where did they do that? UNLV, Treasure Island, UNLV, <laughs> Treasure Island. Oh, okay. It was the Vegas. It was one of the Vegas shows. It yeah. was the Mister. Still there. Oh, yeah. So it's like, okay. So, okay. I'm thinking of like they roll through town and whenever they roll through town, but they're set up there all the time. No, no. They have numerous yeah. shows. Yeah, yeah. They got yeah, love. Yeah, they've yeah. got, I, oh. I was not thinking properly. Sorry. Did you spend a lot of time growing up? It's like the fear of like, you know, when you have kids in Los Angeles of like being too close to the system and like, you know, the, you know, getting involved with all the riffraff and stuff like that. Was that, what was, did your family have fears of like, or did, was your mom never concerned about you becoming like just living life on the strip and kind of getting caught up in that whole fantasy world that they create there? Well, I did. I and did you spend really, a lot of time there other than working or no? I, mean, I would go with, I would go with friends, uh, down to the strip and, you know, we'd go, uh, uh, Cosmic bowling over at the Gold Coast, and then we'd mosey our way onto the strip, and we, you know, we go there, but we wouldn't really cause any trouble. Like I wasn't. Is I the strip fascinating trip. to the people that actually live there, or is it not because you live people there? I'm just are curious. Easily fascinated with lights, and it, people love Vegas, so even those that live there. Oh, I mean, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of good restaurants to go to, but okay. I mean, if you if you live in Vegas, you don't really go to the strip. You it's don't. Like, okay. It's like going to the Hollywood Hollywood Boulevard. You yeah. know, you, you, you avoid you're it at all up costs. and down, okay. looking at the stars all day before you go home. No. <laughs> yeah, and look at a Chinese theater. That's you know, it's a little rough on the outside and a bunch of homeless people around. Right. Like, I might go see a movie there, but I'm not gonna like troll around out. Front I can only spend so much time over there before people just start annoying me, and then I'm yeah. like, I gotta go. Get a dirty well, because you're surrounded by you know. predominantly tourists. Like, same with Vegas. When you go to the strip. You're not surrounded by local people. You're surrounded by people who are tourists. Yeah. And it's like, as much as that income is needed for the city to survive, it can be very frustrating for the people that live there. You know, like, I understand that without tourism, L.A. would shut down because yeah. they don't make the m- amount of movies here that they used to. Yeah. It's not, it can't sustain itself on just the entertainment industry. They need tourism. It's part of the deal. Vegas needs tourism. If people from other places stopped going to Vegas... I don't care about those casinos. Everything would implode. You need their money. 
That's just how it works. I do know that uh, the, the every on the sh- uh, occasions that I do go there, I always avoid the people that are walking on the street with their four foot long uh, beer bottles. Uh, and I'm like, oh, the okay, big yeah, drink. Right, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those Anybody giant that's literally just trying to get shit faced within the first half an hour of arrival. Those people you should immediately uh, avoid. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, that's like a that's a one night stop for me, and then I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I can't do more than three days. Yeah, all together. And that's one a night, guy, three days. And that's a guy with family. Like I've the last show I did out there, I drove out and then drove back the same night. I was like, yeah, I'll just go home. Like, really? Yeah, I can't drive that that much. Didn't care. Went no, out early. The flight's great. Eighty bucks round trip. Yeah. So cheap. Yeah, flights are nice. Anyway, we're not a travel company, so. I told John, I think I told this story before, but like one time I had to, uh, we had to pick, I, w- I was with Louie Anderson at the Vegas airport waiting to pick somebody up, and he just sat there with the window down while everybody was driving by and going, hey, you can't park there, like in his Louie voice, like yelling at people. And you would see people at first like get mad because he was basically messing with people. And then they would, they'd be like, oh, it's Louie Anderson. It's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I won't park there. Then that's totally fine. He's like, isn't this fun? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know I, if it's fun. Maybe. Kind of. <laughs> It'd be funny in- just to watch him yell at people. Until I get punched in the face can't because I'm not Louie Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, you can't go out there and shout. No, I can't. I'm not shouting at anybody anywhere. Like no. you're cool, you're Louis, but who the fuck are you? Yeah, yeah. I have a face of, of somebody that want. I, I know I want to. They want to punch me all the time. So I'm. Yeah, I'm uh, at least you're aware of it. <laughs> Been aware of my whole entire life. Practice your dodging. You know. <laughs> I don't like you. Constantly. Why? I don't know. It's but your I don't face. Like- <laughs> it's definitely your face. <laughs> don't care for it. But I can't do anything about it. You could put a bag on. Wear a mask. So my death code, let, uh, th- this, this part of it uh, interests me. So you decide, you, did you write it as an actual feature script? Um, and then you turned it, and then you said, I can break this down into a show? Or did you, um, what was your, uh, how, how did that all come about? Or did you go, I want to make this a movie. However, uh, I'm just going to write it as a, as a series of shorts. Well, I think when I first came up, when I first started like visualizing the idea, I, w- I wanted it to be like this, you know, I-, I saw the trailer in my mind and I kept seeing like a Sundance kind of movie, like kind of a very indie film. And I wanted it to be actually a love story. I wanted the death character. The original kinda... first And then when scene... you hire John, you realize that the love part will never work. Yeah, who's or... going who's gonna to want to love this guy? I mean, no one. That's why my character killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> um... We haven't announced that yet. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Now I have to edit. Sorry. Just creating an edit splice for him. Um, well, no, I mean, if you, 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 I don't think I'm spoiling anything. No, no. Um, but yeah, that first scene was like a love. The first scene I ever read that you wrote, or I don't know if it was the first scene you ever wrote, but the first scene I ever read was like that love story. It was like that old lady in the. I think so there was a love scene. I was like, really? You hired hospital. him? <laughs> <laughs> a love scene? I wanted to shoot him with his shirt off. The guy <laughs> in the hospital was dying, and the wife was there, and basically, like, I was there comforting her. You were there comforting their love, but uh, even before that, your character was going to... It was kind of this, like, everybody's like, oh, it's like Meet Joe Black. Like, not really, no. I mean, it's a, it's a comedy. It was meant to be more like a Lost in Translation kind of relationship that you had with this character. Um, and then you were going to sacrifice yourself for her to live, because you were supposed to kill her. Uh. Uh, but you decided not to, because you guys got along, and you liked... You know, so you, you were, moved down from the storyline that you guys are talking about right now? Well, so... Let me backtrack a little bit more. So I had worked on this with a couple different writers before, mm-hmm. uh, trying to like kind of build this environment. And it got to my death co. Uh, I think when I was with Ben. I think it got to my death co. I was Ben. But I knew before I had met Ben, it was supposed to be a Grim Reaper, and he was starting at this company, 
and that we were trying to figure out what the company was. And the other writer was just, we're not hitting it the way I wanted it to hit. And uh, I had known Ben at Apple, and we had kind of this manager that was kind of, you know, our Apple mom. Like, you know, she's a little bit, she's a little bit older, but she's like everybody's kind of mentor because yeah. everybody at this Apple store was wanting to be an actor or a director or something in the entertainment industry. And she was good. She used to work in the industry, so she had kind of understood a few things. So she's like, hey, you should talk to Ben. Like, Ben's, Ben's trying to do some writing, and... You know, he's pretty funny. And I, I I had no idea. I was just like, oh, okay, let me talk to Ben. And then that's where my death co and it started becoming this thing. So that's... Was that pretty quick? When you, when you started talking about it with Ben, was it become something you guys gelled with immediately or was it... Well, Ben and I talked about doing... Uh, we talked about it at uh, the Starbucks at the mall we were at. And we were... He wrote, uh, he wrote a short and it was... Um, he wrote a short, and it was it was really good, and I think that's where it kind of started. We're like, okay, oh man, I feel like I'm missing a whole piece of the story here. I'm so sorry. Um, Don't overthink it, pal. Just tell. I know, me. I know, I know. So <laughs> we we had a few. Okay, so we had a few meetings. We talked about a lot about uh, you know about the story mm-hmm. and what we wanted to do with it, uh, and we came up with Defka. We came up with this whole idea, and they said, okay, I think I'm ready to write a short or write a script. So then he wrote it. He sent it over to me. And it was really good. He really as captured the film, idea. He as a short film. As a, okay. I think that's the one that you read, John. Okay. So it was a short film, and he just did a really good job. He kind of flushed out your character really well. He understood what we were trying to do. Ben tends to go a little overboard with things. Like, he would take a joke and, like, I don't want to say overboard, but he would, like, he would kind of push the limits on what you could do. Like, he had you know, a corpse, and he would have, like, a boner on it. And, like, right, you know, it was, right. There were some things that were, like, I was like, okay, we got to pull back a little bit. So I think Ben and I have a really good balance. I was going to say, that that says a lot, though, when someone who is thinking a little bit, um, pushing it too far, and then you're, and then is able to take your advice or take your criticisms or your understanding of what it should be and, and move it back a little bit and, and kind of get on the same page with you. Yeah, exactly. We, Without being an asshole about it. No, no, no. We he and I have like a really incredible working relationship. Like yeah, we really it seems that way. We give really good feedback to each other. Um, you know, I I take his feedback a lot. He's got a r- lot of really great ideas, and you know, I think as we've progressed in this process, we've learned to kind of listen to each other and uh, take each other's feedback, but also not criticize each other. You know, like it's our conversations are really interesting because we don't really talk a lot about our personal stuff. We just kind of like, hey man, what's up? And he's like. Oh, not much. How are you? Like, no, no, nothing really. So anyway, episode three, you know, like we just go right into it, yeah. and we just started this pattern, and we just would call, you know, ten minutes. I think we, you could talk to him about not scary farm, though. I think you'd probably find that interesting. I think he'd appreciate it. Yeah, I think he especially would. especially the the fried chicken part. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. he doesn't love fried chicken. But so mm. Ben starts writing, you start liking. What he's doing. I'm liking what he's doing, and, you know, it was originally just supposed to be, like, you know, him as a writer, and, you know, we, we were just starting to develop this character and this storyline and this environment, and it was just like, you know what, let's, you know, you and I, we're partners in this, you know, like, I can't, I, I would feel bad, you know, like, I, I don't want to just take this whole thing, like, this is us, man, like, we're making yeah, this, so. you're helping me, I'm helping you, we're making this together. Yeah, so it just kind of became this, this friendship and this work, this work thing, and, you know, and it's kind of developed as what it is now that's awesome it's really incredible how many episodes have you made so we started with episode four (laughs) and then we shot episode one and then we shot episode three 
and then we just finished episode two. So, so it was four not done. intentional. So we have four. We have three technically done, and one of them I'm still trying to edit. And, and, and how many do you want to make? We're making six. That's it? And you're making it six because you want to stop there because it's tapped out? Or you're making six because you want to do something else? We're making six because we that's our pitch for Netflix. That's okay. the season arc. That's, okay. There's six episodes of this, of, this, uh, of this story. And it's like I, I mean, I, I read just, just the five-minute things that we're making could be expanded into half-hour television shows, like each episode. Do you know what right. I mean? There's enough there. So, like, this, I think the idea is take the web series and then use that as proof of concept. How long are these, the, each of these now? Uh, they're about five, six minutes five, long. Five, six minutes. Yeah, I nothing, mean, well, nothing over seven, I don't think. No. I, I think maybe episode six, because okay. we want to, you know, we want to kind of push the envelope a little bit in six. So, I, I think that might be stretched a little bit to maybe seven. Mm-hmm. Plus, it'll be the last episode. Yeah, so it's kind of the finale. It's, it's fine. Yeah. But um, I wanted to make them chewable so that they're, you know, because if you, you know, you send somebody a web show and it's like 15, 20 minutes long. No one's like, watching oh, it. Who's going to watch it? But six minutes, it's like, it's a perfect time while you're taking a dump. Well, green apple splatter. Green apple splatter. Way longer dumps than six minutes. But I could watch the whole season uh, in one dump. But like, also. This is great. Once this is, I think this is a great upsell for Netflix. Can <laughs> you make sure that that part gets in there? Oh yeah, so I really hope that they're they making fifteen-minute comedy specials. Now, How do you so. see this on our on our network? It's dump worthy. You yeah. watch it while you're taking a dump. Like, uh, next. how do you not get this? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I just feel like as soon as somebody just sees the first episode, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. I feel they'll be like, they'll be like, oh, why, I gotta see more of this. Like. I don't, it's not a, some things feel like a burden to watch, even when they're five minutes long. You know what I mean? You're like, Ugh. Well, that's because, now, you just what, be down by What it. episode does John's character do gameplay? Fortnite. Gameplay? Because that Fortnite. is all that's that matters. That's episode seven. Uh, episode seven. That's yeah, a bonus that's all that I, un- I do unboxing. Okay. And then I play Fortnite. <laughs> well, you're unboxing Fortnite. I unbox Fortnite, and yeah. then I play. Oh, that's great. I don't even know. So we talk about news. how great the wrapping is. Yep. That's how uh, in depth some of these unwrapping. Uh, uh, sad sad that are. you know that much already about it. I only know that there's unboxing videos. I refuse to watch one. I watch them sometimes, but man, there's some people that just go too in depth on it. They're like, "Well, the packaging's wrong." I bought this like cheap, you know, uh, charger for my phone, and I I wanted to watch. I don't know why I ended up watching an unboxing video about it, but they were talking about how good the quality of the plastic was that was wrapping the cord, and they're like, "Oh, well, this is a plastic. fetish. That's a fetish." I, yeah. Apparently it is it's because right? that's got to be a, that's, a that sounds like thing. something with a fetish. Now I will say that I had bought uh, a, a, a blanket from Universal Studios mm-hmm. and got it home, and they didn't take the um, the, security ta- the, tag the security tags off it. So I watched many many videos on how to burn those sons of bitches off, and that's what you got to do. You actually have to start them on fire. And long story short, you have a big blue spot on your blanket <laughs> now, right? No, I actually I, I was worried. It took me a while. I went I and I look. I reluctantly watched all these videos because I didn't want to either A, start my house on fire, or B, have it just explode and basically I'm full of blue, the blanket's full of blue. But I eventually figured out how to do it. I, I can I can now make my own videos of how to do it. I was so stoked when it worked because I was scared when I lit it on fire. I, oh, they actually have you light it on fire? Oh, yeah. Once you once you go down that path, you like you're, one, you're committed. Like you're basically starting something on fire. To get going, and, and it's like once I did it, I was like, I don't know where this is going to end, and I'm alone in the house you know, right I'm now. So, well, that's probably now. the best I, way. <laughs> I'm going to die up. in the fire. Always do the most dangerous things when you're alone and can't reach out to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's it works. 
You just burn off the little tab, and then boop, it just pops right off. Because it uh, releases, it releases the it releases the pin. That's why you burn it. There's a pin in 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 there, and if you if you rip the pin, that's what sets off the the ink. But if you if if the top is off, it just goes boop, and just pop. And that's it. That's okay, it. I need to look this up now. And I was so excited, and then I said, "Now let's take it apart." And there was a fucking second one buried inside there. So I was double mad at Universal Studios. Two of them, so I had to burn tw- two of them off. Apparently, there's a ring of people stealing blankets yeah. at Universal. Like, yeah, exactly. What, That's the other thing. Some of the stuff that bit. I find security tags on, I'm like, really? Who's taking We're this? We're security tagging? Yeah, exactly. That's your first thing is like, who is stealing? You know what security tags are on now? Uh, chargers. It's been going back to chargers. Yeah, but see... That makes more sense because that's easier to steal, and that's something that would but be worth stealing. Who's stealing chargers? They're like $10. Chargers? Yes. What? For an iPhone, phones. they're like 30 phones. bucks. They're well, you can $10. get the crappy ones. Yeah, but then your Those your crappy ones will blow out the O-ring on your phone, and you won't be able to charge it for like three weeks. It's like not like every time I take my app, oh, you've been using the thing that's not Apple? I'm like, yeah, I bought this cheap. Nah, well, then why are they allowed it. to make them if they're going to wreck it? Dude, because they you can got, make money. It's a, how, it's a. Because you got to buy more, so you buy more. Like it's a fucking process. Why don't they make a phone that just lasts forever? They could. They don't. They need you to buy more. They have them crap out after two years. But I've seen some. I've worked at Apple for six years. I've seen some shit with these phones. Absolutely, get one that is compatible with your phone. Oh really? Yeah. 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 It just it so ruins your battery. It does. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll take. I'll trust that. And some of them like catch on fire. Like that's that one girl yep. that died wait, because she wait, had what? a. She had a, pl- a charger that was like a third-party one, and it zapped her, and she died. What? What's, what are you yeah. talking about? You're just making this up. No, this I like, swear. This is your Apple sales ago. pitch. No, no, no. What a horrible pitch. Yeah. Like, well, make sure you get one, or you're going to Use die. it, or you will die. <laughs> like, okay, that guy at Apple scared the shit out of me. I guess I better hey, just go buy two. He's got to make, he's gotta he's gotta make, make his, my quota. Make his quotas. Exactly. Whatever it takes. If it means a death story, my death code story, whatever it is, the bottom line is hit that quota, right? No, is that is that going to become a thing? And is that going to be one of the characters in my death code? Is John? You John, know, that's actually not a bad. John teaches him a lesson a about oh, third I'd love to party. Kill somebody at a about genius bar. Third party. I'd love to oh, go I to mean, a genius bar and take someone out. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, there's some real assholes in real life. Bar. But that's actually a really funny idea. No, you're uh, saying customer service sometimes has to deal with a holes. Uh, isn't that crazy? That's a crazy thought, I've right? I've never met a jerk. I didn't know. <laughs> I've, I've never met, met a jerk. Yeah, but the. Shit, sorry. What? <laughs> Killing a genius bar guy? No. Oh, kill- no, if you missed your quote, it'd be funny oh. if you were just being incredibly lazy and, like, at the last, like, you, know, like you skip your homework until the last night of school, and you're like, oh, oh shit, God. I gotta go kill all these I gotta people. kill, like, 17 people. Yeah, <laughs> so you just Google shitty things made in China that kill people, and then you just make sure that you just go around and find all I those people. I think we people. have season three right well, here. Well, dude, being, being lazy, that's funny. I, was, I took, a, I took a, 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 a bus to from, like, right where I live to downtown last night, uh, to go to a concert, and I, I hadn't been on a public bus for a really long time. Is this a real story? Yeah, and you I, really took a bus. Yeah, and I got and I got to like where I was needing to get off, and I hit the thing, and the bus kept going. You hit the thing, do you, you, like, you don't pull them down anymore? No, there's just buttons, and uh, and so I'm like, why didn't we stop at the bus? Like I, was, I wanted to, like that was the stop, and then it kept going, it kept going, and then the bus driver was like, yeah, I couldn't get over. And at first I was like, wait, what? I go, Isn't that what? their job? This, I go, this lazy piece of shit couldn't get over. And then I'm thinking like, ah, you know what? Yeah, I do that shit all the time when I used to oh, work. Cut off buses. Regular, like, regular jobs. Like, hey, why didn't this get done? Oh, yeah, I didn't do it. Like, I have no good excuse. I have no real reason. I just couldn't get over there yeah, but to that, do it. Like, I, no offense to the, but John, funny. that guy, he's got a job to do. And, and part of his job are the stops. 
You don't just not stop. Eh. I mean, it wasn't like he took well, me. What if you can't get over the, the whole rest of the day? You can't get over. Yeah. Like, oh well, sorry, I couldn't get yeah. over. Yeah. Now, you you're just on a, now you're just on a tour. Vacation too. It's on a tour bus. Look, kids, parlance. Or was it a tour bus? Did you actually get on the wrong bus? Yeah, I got on a tour bus. Got on a Starline. I was like, how come we're not going to my stops? Because we're going to Vegas. Like, oh. Yeah, you got the mega bus. You picked up the mega bus. I got on a mega bus. I went to Cleveland. It was an accident. So what's so what's after my death call? I get it. I get that you'll do the six. You will be out there pitching it. But as you know, that pitching world becomes a nightmare because it's like basically everything comes to a screeching halt, right? As far as creative goes. So what are you going to do to feed the creative juices? Well, I'm on the hunt now for another project. Okay. Because you never want to go into a pitch with one project. You want to go with multiple. So I have a Ben's got something else he's writing that seems pretty interesting. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so you like you like that you like working with Ben enough that it's like let's do some other stuff. I absolutely I love working with Ben. I just I want to make sure the next project I work on is something that is going to fulfill me and I can keep, you know, like Deathco is taking a lot of work and taking a lot out of me to mm-hmm. to make. I mean I'm, you know I I'm trying to produce and direct and put all these things together. I think once we start getting some money and I have people to help me do a lot of that stuff, but I have a great crew right now and they do so much to I'll help. Your crew. We have a, probably a good ten. People, yeah, regular, I wouldn't say I'd crew. seen more than ten people on set at any one time, and uh, all of them. I mean, no one's. This is like an independent project where p- people are not. So involved you guys in this are all making about what one point two yeah. per episode? One point two zero dollars. The like the negative the, uh, the, <laughs> the amount of work that like I put in pales in comparison to the amount. That Sean puts in. Well, first off, I know you well enough to know that that I, you, you wouldn't have to tell me that. Well, I, right, you know. but my point. And like, you just told a story about how still, you would tell people you didn't do your job. But we so. all still like put all the effort we can in. You know what I mean? Like, there's no one showing up and half-assing it right. on these things. No, and they're all working for free. Look, so. here's the thing, and you know this with especially. I've done enough independent filmmaking. If you're going in and half-assing, then just don't do it. Just go home. Yeah. Don't waste anybody's time, energy, money, product, nothing. W- waste nothing. If you're once you do it, just do it. It drives me nuts when people go in and they half-ass or they bitch the whole time. It's like, then what? You already knew if you're in this business and you know going in that there's no money in it right now, then shut up. But I, mean, I, I hate to be that guy. But like, the job, please, just, just, or just don't do it. Like, go home. Go home. Half the job is just showing up and having a good attitude. Like, yeah. You've already are past the tier of like being rehirable. Like, you'd be surprised how many people are just so damn lazy. But and I also feel like everyone who's watching what we're doing and they're involved in it believes in it. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't I don't get the sense from some people that are like, "Oh, I'm just doing this cuz I love Sean and like I think like whatever this is." I mean, maybe that is the case, but I feel it I get the feeling that everyone who's watching what we're doing is like, "Oh no, I like this. This is good." And like when I did that thing when I walked out with uh we were shooting episode 2 and I walk out of the makeup wardrobe area and I'm drinking my coffee I have like my Starbucks my travel mug that I'm always, always so I walk out mug. with that and the crew just starts laughing and they're like dude it's really funny that he's drinking coffee and Sean's like alright keep the coffee and like it became part of the second episode you know what I mean and it it's hilarious to me like you do you see that shit and I'm like I would have never thought about that. I would have hid that coffee somewhere I would have never brought it with me into the you know frame but seeing it I'm like dude that's really funny. It's really funny. This guy's dead. He's like, oh, this coffee tastes like shit. Like, 
It's just funny to me. It made me laugh. Yeah, not only are you having your coffee and you know while you're trying to work, but it's not even good coffee. Yeah, I'm just like I'm just disgusted by it the whole time. So it's reality. It's like is that that travel mug? Did you use? Is that a, is that a, is that a, is that a, it's an a, official prop? That's a that's a my death code Ooh. travel mug. It says Starbucks on it, uh, but I hid that with my hand. Well, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, but I just I mean that kind of stuff. Like I feel like the crew, the people like Mark are invested enough. Uh, that when they see something that they think could make it better or funnier or, or more worthwhile, they'll they'll put their two cents in because without doing that, it's just people going, yeah, whatever Sean wants to do, and and which would also be fine too because I don't think your vision is wrong or bad. I'm just like, it's it's just nice to know that everyone who you're working with, because I've worked in a lot of reality shows where like no one believes in what we're doing. You know what I mean? It's like clearly a paycheck. It's clearly just like give me my money and I'll go home. Um, and then I've worked on stuff that like everyone seems to be really invested in, and those are always more fun. The things that everyone's into, that's yeah. more fun. Yeah. Just collecting a paycheck like is I not said, the, fun. It, it, especially working in production, once you're there, just, just be there, be present, be involved. Don't, I mean, if you're going to check out, then you should probably just go home. If you're going to no. check out, do it on a show like, you know, Meet the Kardashians or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, most of those guys have checked out. A yeah, 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 yeah. As I say, what are you like talking about? That's already happening. Laying cable and then taking naps. They have like walkie-talkie lines I, on their you, face from sleep. I know I upset you earlier by saying I haven't seen the Goonies, but I also am proud to say I've never seen any of those reality shows. All right, you've redeemed yourself. Okay, thank you. Except totally. The new reality show, Meet the Goonies, <laughs> which is about where they are now. And it's just Corey Feldman, uh, you know, it's, Co- it's Corey Feldman and then Jeff Cohen being. I'm a lawyer, and Corey Feldman going, "I'm still Corey Feldman." <laughs> Creeped out yet? <laughs> one, two, three, four minute band two, by the way. One, two, three. I worked on a I worked on a show called Proving Ground with Ryan Dunn. Uh, I was like a writer, a researcher on it. And the funniest thing I saw, like Ryan was a really funny guy, and the show was really funny. It was like you take pop culture things and see if they'll work today. Like one was like, how can we make Spider-Man climb walls? How could we make the Harry Potter Quidditch match in real life? You know, and uh, the one I've written one f- about the Goonies, about the props in the Goonies being the, all the things that Data uses, mm-hmm. being things that would actually could we make them work, you know? So slick shoes, right? So I say let's get somebody from the Goonies and interview them for the show. So I have a producer reach out to Jeff Cohen, who is a lawyer that I know and other people know, and uh, and he played Chunk. Mm-hmm. So Jeff is like, you know, it sounds like a great idea. I would love to do it. Like, he doesn't shy away from the Goonies. He's not, like, afraid of it. But he's like, but I'm really busy. Uh, I would try. And he gives us the number for the guy who played Data. And oh, we nice. call and we call him. And then Cohen says, if he's busy, just call Corey Feldman. Because I'm sure he'll take the interview or whatever. And Feldman was the guy we got. And they went to, they had to go to his house. And they got there. And for whatever reason, it's like a, a morning. They're out by his pool. But he has a very strange... He's got a pretty thick head of hair, and he's got a strange just one braid, like a tightly formed braid that's coming off the top of, like, out of his forehead and kind of off the rest of the hair and just hanging in the front of his face. It's a very strange thing that no one ever talks about in the interview, never comes up. So then they do this whole interview, and Feldman, like, Ryan Dunn's like, so do you think these props could be real? And he goes, the props are real. I saw them. He's like, that's not what I mean. So they have this whole weird oh. in- interchange and then, or exchange, and then the Cocaine's next day. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, man. Yeah. And then the next day. Uh, you learned that at Cirque du Soleil? Uh, <laughs> Ryan Dunn shows up. He Long pulls hours, onto, man. He pulls onto set in his Porsche, and the cameras are always rolling when he, when he came up, and he gets out of the car, and he just has the same Feldman braid. 
He did it to himself, but no one ever mentions it throughout the whole episode. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I loved him for that. I loved him not calling attention to it and just being like, nope, now I have that braid. It was the weirdest thing. Feldman is an odd duck, man. He's a strange dude. But but again, a child actor, like... Well, there's 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 got to be some truth to some of that stuff that he's talking about. But whatever, Oh, there's man. definitely. I That doesn't... I believe that to be, I think there's some of the, most of the stuff he says is hundred percent about the child yeah. molestation and yeah. the kids getting passed around. Yeah. And the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, firmly yeah. believe that is a legit yeah. uh, accusation. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know. I guess my story wasn't as funny as I thought it was, but I really liked that. No, no, we thing. enjoyed it. We enjoyed no, it. And I, and I thought Ryan Dunn always made me laugh. Um, there is no applause in the show. So. Yeah, remember we learned that earlier. Uh, I do when I'm doing stand up and I like take a sip of water and it's in between stuff and no one's like doing anything or clapping. I go, yeah, this is usually where people just applaud. And then I like take a uh, sip of water and then the people will be like, do we clap? Oh, it's a power move. It's a power right, move. You, gotta, you have to, and then you I have to be able to accept. Well, first thing I taught John, because I used to work in radio, you may or may not have known that. John loves it when I talk about and it. And the listeners checked out. Is that you need to embrace. Silence mm-hmm. and not be afraid of it. The moment you have to be paused in the moment, don't panic, don't panic in the moment and babble. No one I cares think that about the babble. For everything, though, you know, I mean, people in everyday conversations they they fill fill the dead like, space. I, I did a show, I mean, don't let it go dead too long because then obviously, you know, four minutes of dead air. <laughs> uh, it's not like they're false endings on. Uh, on songs, where like they're like you, you make they make you wait for like three and a half minutes, and the song starts softer, back up again. Softer, a little bit louder now, and a little no, bit not louder that, now. No, the false endings. You know what I'm talking about, right? No, I don't. At the end of at the, there are certain songs that are designed so basically you you, you assume they're done, and you'll notice that the track is like 12 minutes long, mm-hmm. but the song only played for like six minutes. Because there's three minutes of dead space, and then it comes back up again. And oh yeah, playing. hidden tracks and stuff like. Uh, but they're like fall. I call them false endings of songs. They they basically yeah they bury it in there, but you have to look. It's it's always based on the time. Yeah, the last song on the the first Tenacious D album, mm-hmm. the lyrics and everything it goes for like two and a half minutes, but the song is 15 minutes long, and then there's nothing, and then literally at minute 15, all of a sudden they're like, hey, and then they just. And then Jack Black just makes up lyrics to some nonsense that Kyle's playing, and then that's it. Yeah. But it's like, I always like, that's just like a hidden track. Like, if you listen long enough, and you'd always have to leave something playing even to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like accidentally leave something in the CD player, and you're like, oh, the song's been over. And then all of a sudden, something else starts, and you're like, what is this? And then you go and look (laughs) what you're listening to, and it's all the good old days of CDs. dude. I miss CDs. I miss like popping the eject button and popping the CD in there. This, it still know. exists. It does, know, but, but man, it's, no one gonna, is... Who's going to drag around CDs? Come yeah, on. I mean, remember having... You don't have a CD visor in your car? <laughs> one that's just been there forever. And <laughs> Dude, I drove out here with a, got... with a bin full of cassettes, like a, like a milk crate full of cassettes, and I used to keep them in my car, on the front seat of my car, like all my dead bootlegs and stuff, and I would just listen to them when I drove around, and that was, I went to work. I was working on Punked. And I had this thing sitting on my, uh, and this girl was like, yeah. "What is this?" Oh, I, go, I thought you oh, got warped. No, these are my uh, these are my tapes. And she goes, "You drive around with a big thing of tapes?" Yeah, no one will break like, into your car. Yeah, I mean, I just listen to them, you know. And then when I had I had a CD thing, and I was like, oh, "I got, I'm going on a flight." My buddy was like, "Dude, get an iPod." I was like, a "What?" He's like, "An iPod," and I was like, "I didn't." Thousand songs in your pocket, man. Dude, I got the mini one. Right. Oh, this was like late iPod then. Yeah. 
It yeah. had already been out, and I was like, dude, I don't know what this thing is. This does guy, or... he doesn't, he wasn't a first generation. What a, what a <laughs> cool dude. I am an idiot. I went in and tried to get an f- iPhone 7, and they were like, dude, just get a new one. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, I got to just get the new phone. I can't believe you you drove around with tapes in, in California, and it didn't get warped with the sun. Yeah. The tapes went in and out. Bold I didn't move. Do you still have the tapes? Uh, a lot of those them. cassettes. A I lot have of three them. bins of cassettes. In, in my garage. What are you going to do with them all? Why are they sitting there? Well, again, now he's going to be mad because I'm going to say this, but they were all my air check tapes from, from uh, when I worked in radio. Uh, okay, well, that makes more sense. Yeah. I thought you meant just like personal. But I'll never listen to them. Tapes. And the funny thing is, it's like I've tried to tell my kids, I'm like, you know, your dad used to be in radio and I'd start playing something and they'd just walk away. And I'm like, why am I saving all this stuff? Like, I'm not going to listen to it. My wife's not going to listen to it. My kids there, clearly I have. I mean, no honestly, you should just <laughs> listening to it. So. You should just digitize it. And yeah, yeah, put it, it, out, that put it takes on a work. thumb drive. I'm not retired yet, okay. so I can't. I'm not doing the sitting around thing yet. And uh, sixty-five yeah. years. You old. know what's going to happen? I guess I'll transfer those tapes. Now, I'm never going to listen to them, and then eventually they're just going to get thrown out. And I will have carried them in my garage for you know three decades. Your kids will throw them out the day of your funeral. <laughs> Um, oh, the morning of. Throw them on me and Get then close da- the coffin. Throw all that crap yeah. in the hole yeah. with you Dad. Lo- you love these so much, you kept them forever. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to throw dirt on the coffin. Take them with you. Throw the, tapes. <laughs> throw the tapes. He's buried under a pile of air check tapes <laughs> from a Milwaukee radio station. <laughs> and the next oh, generation boy. of people that come back. He's the they... Laverne and Shirley of radio, everybody. <laughs> Boo. Ah, uh, at least I got rid of my VHSs because that's what I moved out here with. A big, the three boxes of VHS tapes. I'm, I'm very proud of you. You did yeah. a great job. Yeah, you're <laughs> a hero. Uh, everybody pay attention to Brian. Uh, uh, yeah. So you're working with Ben on some new stuff. Uh, I think so, we're wrapping it up. I'm just trying to figure out what I can so, but So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you don't care whether it's TV or film that you work in. You just want to be able to be uh, th- that creative process, which I, which I like. But one thing, and I don't know how you feel about this, uh, what I like about the streaming services is that a lot of it does have a film vibe to it. It's not just, you know, but there was a time where it was like if you did TV, it was kind of cookie cutter, so there was the TV style. Uh-huh. And they didn't really want you shooting like you were making a film for many reasons. For television, most of reasons would be creative takes time and it costs money, uh-huh. so that's not what TV's about. But it seems like now, with the streaming services, they've blurred that line. Where you can kind of make a movie, but it could also be a television show. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think they they've really built environments with a lot of these shows, and, and people are watching this content like crazy. I mean, you hear everybody talking about, you know, oh my god, have you seen Ozark? Have you seen Game of Thrones? Have you Dude. seen Insecure? Like, have you seen all these different? And those are movies done as TV shows, in my opinion. Like Ozark is crazy good. Yeah, so good. Like that could have been a movie, but it's like now it's longer, and now I get more of it. Yeah, well, you get more time with, you know, like, obviously, I think I feel like you can make more money with a TV show, especially if it's something that gets like a, if it can get syndicated, but mm, a lot yeah. of those are just streaming, but I don't really know the deals that those guys make with Netflix, but I'm sure a development deal with those guys with, you know, some well-known people, you're going you're gonna to make some good money. Yeah, but, you know, 14, 15 bucks, I mean, something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An hour, an hour. an incredible yeah. amount of money. A little bit yeah. above um, yeah, minimum some wage. Some people would really appreciate that. Yeah, no <laughs> shit, I was going to say, like, uh, I'll take 14 bucks an hour right now. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think that, I, th- I think with the more these kind of things open up with, like, Netflix and Hulu and, and Amazon and, and more services like that, and there's just more room for content. I think there's room for everybody, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just about the better stuff will rise. You know what I mean? That's going to be what sits on the top. And I think, honestly, I, and not, I don't, I'm not saying this because I'm in it, but I feel like my death co is one of those things. Like, 
I haven't I haven't been genuinely uh, that like excited and really just believe in an idea for a very long time. Like really, just like this. There's something here. Like after I after we did the just the aerial shots of that first day, I was like, there's something here. Like there's something, and I'm talking like. The aerial shots on that stuff we shot the a few first, years ago? The first day, yeah, which was like the pickup truck. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can eventually be used for a trailer or a teaser or whatever. But, like, just how good that looked, I was like, God damn. Like, that's that was done but with – and I didn't know you guys. Like, you're like, here, come over, try this big, heavy cloak on. Now show up in a 1,000-degree day out at a farm. <laughs> it's like a million miles outside of town. I was like <laughs> – Oh, these fucking idiots better know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't want to get on John's pants. I'm just no, but no, I mean, like, it, there there Stay was something there. There was something <laughs> there immediately, wife. and I think when you have that kind of a seed get planted, it it just it grew in everybody that was there. Like, holy shit, we could make something out of this. And I think, uh, you know, I'm I I get genuinely excited when I think about it. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, for your sake, Ben's sake, for everyone involved's sake, that this gets gets sold somewhere and gets put somewhere that that can even get more eyes on it because a lot of people are watching it online but you put it on netflix you have more people watching it yeah i think i mean i've been very happy with the the audience response on it i mean it's not a huge audience right now but we're, we're but all this response has been positive yeah it's weird i've never d- done anything where all the responses were positive usually it's like hey this is great hey this is great hey fuck you kill yourself well, that's the same the that's, that's good that means they really like, like it oh jealous. that was my comment John. but it's <laughs> like it, it's, there's so many there's so many people willing to jump on and just take a shit on someone else's hard work well, but without having this without doing anything oh, on their own and they're gonna there's gonna be a point where people are gonna go okay this show's lost me and yeah. I expect that to come and I think if you just expect that you you know it's gonna be there and you you take the feedback appropriately and you know you don't change your concept based on what they said but you know, you, you can make some adjustments, you know, depending the on what they The people who say. like it, though, I think will like it the whole way through, honestly. I agree. I, I feel that there, there's not going to come a time where they're like, ah, you, you jumped the shark or, you know. So beginning to end, how long is this going to take you to, to do the six? I like, you know, honestly, I'd like to have it done before the end of the year. And be- how long ago did you start, though? Beginning uh, to end, meaning like that first day was in 2015. Okay, so this has been something. Like I well, wasn't married. And, yet. And, and ben and, and I have worked on this thing probably about five or six years. Right, but as far as like when when you started going into production, so are you still creating the final episodes? Is that why it's taking a while? It's like, well, what's are you writing simultaneously, or did you already have the six in place? No, we 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 kind of it, they've gone through so many variations, but we we knew we wanted to do six, and originally it was just supposed to be six independent stories mm-hmm. with. John is the main, you know, obviously our main character. Meaning um, no through lines, like, so no. Yeah, yeah no all stand, arc. All standalone episodes. Yeah. So that's kind of why we did episode four first, because it was supposed to be just him at this bar with this character. Uh, but it, then I talked to this uh, writer at BuzzFeed, and, you know, I was kind of telling her the idea, and she's like, that's great, you're totally doing it the right way, but you should give your character an arc. A lot of these stories have an arc for their main character, and I think that would really help. So I called Ben. I said, hey, we should make this a story arc. So he's like, boom, I'm on it. And, you know. And it he, really, just from that first one, that number four. Number that four is number, beautiful. Yeah, but, like, work, able to work backwards and forwards like that because it really does have an arc. Like, there is a legit, the character has an arc. The other people, each, each person that, each guest star has an arc. Like, the show has an arc. The characters have, like, it's, 
it's well put together now, and I think it works much better this way and will catch more eyes and ears this way than, than standalone episodes. I mean, the standalone episodes would have been great, and they would have been fun, and they would have been amazing, but, like, connecting it all, that's some storytelling, you know? Well, I I gotta give that credit to Ben. I mean, he he's he does a, yeah he does a great job. But I but he's but, not here, and we're talking to you. So can we just give like it to he, you for now? And, he, and if he happens to listen, we'll make we'll make an addendum to the show. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll make an adjustment. Come yeah, in for yeah, some pickup. Yeah, yeah. No, pick he puts in he puts in a lot of work, and then you 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 know, the it's a combo of you guys, and it really is it, it's a it's a well it's a it's it it works well. You guys work well together, and you complement each other very nicely. So. I think uh, I think you I think you personally I think you have something. Yeah, well, this is great. Well, we look forward to uh, finding out what happens with it. Where, as of right now, though, so where are people going to uh, to screen this stuff? Well, I, the the idea was to make it, you know, easy to see. Every I don't want it to be something where you have to sign up for a service and mm-hmm. pay monthly. Like sometimes that happens, and you know, I'll, I'll look at all those business models. But um, right now, I mean, it's Vimeo, Facebook, YouTube. You know, you just type in my death code. You even go yeah, to the website. Website mydeathco.com is the easiest. M y d e a t h c o. dot com. Good one. Um, yeah, I would have messed that up on the first round. Good, good, good um, on you. Yeah, and or you can go to johnhuck.me. Oh, I, oh, there I, it is. He's I turning it on. Oh, now it happens. I have a there link to it there okay. as well. All of a sudden, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's on YouTube. It's on Vimeo. It's on Facebook. It's it's everywhere. Online and you can see episodes one and two right now. One and two are available. We're we're trying to get out uh, episode three. I'm I'm currently editing that right now. Episode four is already done, so that will be a that's we're talking. Maybe three and four will come out pretty quick. They'll come out pretty to each quick. Other. Mm-hmm. And then five and six, uh, the scripts are written for it, um, and we we know how we're going to end the this this six part series. But, uh, I'm curious because I don't know yet. It was a good run, John. Is I what he's trying to say to you without like, saying. Your character it. dies <laughs> again, but in real life. Wait, <laughs> what? Um, yeah, we're writing you out of the show, John. Yeah, yeah that's right. fair. So. I would do the same. But I, the tumbler stays. Oh, it has to. It's part yeah. of it now. Yeah, we're just gonna have an episode just shooting the tumbler. It just has a, a it has a tumbler. John Huck wig and beard on. <laughs> tumble it down. That becomes the star. <laughs> a little cloak and a scythe. It's like, see, coffee. It's the killer. Um, but uh, five and six, we're definitely trying to push the envelope a little bit. We want to. You know, bring in some some interesting. I don't want to give away too much. No, but, no, don't. No. Yeah. Um, if you learned anything from your time at Apple and Cirque du Soleil, is never give away too much. Don't right? give away too much. Don't yeah. give away anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not for paying for it. Yeah. No, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes too, because honestly, I haven't read five or six yet, so I don't know. I need to send those to you. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm 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 excited to get them done, so so we can have that final kind of final product and just be like. Look at that. Well, December, I'm absolutely going to do a screening when we. I, I know we're getting five and six done before the end of the year. Uh, I think when we premiere episode six online, we'll do a big screening and have all six play. Awesome. Um, I'll edit them all together, and then that way we could just kind of have them, you know, have them all at once. Invite some press, invite cast and crew, invite just a ton of people. Um, we are talking to some investors right now, so we might have a little. We're, we're going to need a little bit of money for five and six. So. Yeah. We're hoping to raise some money. Uh, we've been kind of playing around with the idea of an Indiegogo campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I don't have the time. I don't want to wait for that. I just I need the money well, now. Yeah, you want to just it do it. Okay, okay. No, I no, need money. That, that part about it. There's that part about Vegas we didn't get to. Clearly, this guy's had some some troubles. No, so I need that I, money I, now, you guys. This the problem. Like the, one of my main, not gripes, but like just complaints. I don't know. Like this, it takes so long to make anything. 
to make anything. I want to make a three-minute short. Great. It's going to take five years. You're like, Jesus, can we just get it done? So no, like that's now, the business you chose you, to work in. Well, right, but now you see the finish line. It's not this super far away thing. You're not writing episode one. You're like, I know where I want this thing to go. I know where I want it to end. I just want to make it. Like, you've got the crew in place. You've got the cast in place. Like, we're all already together and ready to do it. It's just a matter of getting it done. And that can be the most frustrating thing about all of it. Well, it's it's great because our, our crew is incredibly eager and hungry. Like, these guys all want to get to the next level. They're incredibly talented people. And they're looking for opportunities just like I'm trying to get my opportunities to be a director and to be a producer and do real content. Just like Ben wants to write and wants to produce and wants to make stuff. Like, we're both trying to get there. So it's like, well, why don't we try and get the same kind of people? Like, our sound guy wants to get to the next level. Our makeup person wants to get to the next level. It's like, why don't we pull these people in that are that are eager? And, like, you know, there's there's – you might have some downfalls with that. You know, they, they're still trying to figure out their their – you know their their footing and and get their craft down. So it it all is just kind of a encompassing learning experience for everyone. So it's good you have a crew like that because then you can keep stuff going. Yeah, and if the show gets taken to the next level, all those people come with it. You know oh yeah, I mean? the goal so is to like, take everybody with me. Yeah, like it's it's a uh, it's a nice uh, that's nice. You know what I mean? That's not everybody's goal. That's not everybody's thought process. But I subscribe to that and I appreciate it and like kind of really only like working with people who feel the same way you know what i mean yeah i don't want to just have a bunch of money and throw it to a bunch of pros and you know like i'd love to work with professionals absolutely but you know i don't want to just throw money at the problem i'd rather pull people in and you know yeah, if we have to pay really them accordingly and then make you make them feel like all their work they did for free was worthwhile and that's and the something. goal yeah. and i'm hoping with these these last two episodes we have a budget i'm able to at least pay these guys a decent rate for the day get really good catering. You know, I'd love to bring in a catering truck and, like, have some really nice food. Uh, for <laughs> crying out loud, I have some insurance on the set. We don't shoot with insurance. I'm going to edit that terrible, out. Yeah. Uh, it's a terrible <laughs> idea <laughs> to not shoot You're with insurance. You're still talking about it. <laughs> I'm just creating more work for you now at this point. Uh, but, yeah, we, we shoot these things incredibly, incredibly cheap. Uh, or, I mean, I don't want to give out a number, but it's no, super, no, super, no. Cheap, yeah, yeah, yeah. super, but super like, cheap. Super, super cheap. It's cheap, and and but the con the quality of the content is does not well, look cheap. Yeah, it does and, and nothing no, comes across as cheap. Well, no, and no. that the other reason why you never want to talk about budget is because if they find out what you can do without it, they're not going to give it to you exactly. ever. Hey, so I you, saw you make a movie with zero dollars. Yeah, yeah. So here's negative yeah. monies. Yeah, your like, your job if, is to never uh, have to do something independent again. That that's that's the goal. Should always be that. No matter what you did on your last project, is never to repeat that process the second time around. Never do that the second time around because you get stuck in that infinite loop, and you got to get out of that. So your goal should be: I'm making this to make this. I'm making this to make that, and just keep going up. Because if you don't, you get stuck in one spot. Well, that's the idea. Well, like everybody's like, well, are you can do season two, and I said no. Season two will be season one of Netflix. Yeah, yeah. that's the next season. Like, yeah, I don't like even TV, say I want TV show. Yeah, I don't even say I want to sell the show to Netflix. I say I want them to give me more money so I can make more of them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I want—not more money. I want them to give me money. Yeah, so I can and make expand more. Expand on the episodes we already have because, like, those technically are like sizzle reels almost in a sense. Yeah, we already have episode one written for the full show. We have an hour-long pilot already mm-hmm. written, and we have the whole season mapped out. So we have basically our, our deck, is what they call it. Yeah. Uh, already created, yeah. pretty much. We just Good need to. to I want to finish. I want to finish the series. Like I want to have that done, I, and I almost want to do it without the money because I feel like I want to accomplish that. 
and go like that's what I like. It's something I don't know, just something personal in me, but yeah, you know, I, it's getting to a point where like we we need some funds. You know, like I can't keep dragging these people around to do stuff for free. I don't want to say oh the money's going to come, the money's going to come. Like I want it to be there and know that the there's a there's a light at the end of this damn tunnel. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna make it. Oh, there's a light. It's death. Uh-huh. There it is. Bringing uh, it all back together. Bringing it all back to me. That, and so my death character. and apples. That's going to be the title of this. Death and apples. Right. You worked at Apple. You take green apple quick steps or whatever that thing is. Green apple splatter. Bathroom. Green mm-hmm. apple splatter. Yeah. Green yeah. apple quick step is actually a band from the nineties. I'm the one hit wonder. You know, I used to work in radio, so I know. Uh, <laughs> and that's our show, <laughs> everybody. Holy shit. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sean, for uh, for agreeing to come by. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of it's course, a, man. Of course. It's a great you guys, setup. You guys can see My Death Co. online at mydeathco.com uh, or uh, YouTube. Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, Vimeo. Vimeo. Uh, there's a link on my website, johnhuck.me. Um, the Red Sox are already in the World no, Series no, no, as of right you're now. You're time stamping, dude. Yeah, I know. Because I, when, we, when they listen, they'll be like, oh, man. They didn't know. There was a guy wearing an L.A. hat and a guy wearing a Milwaukee hat, and they didn't know who was going to advance. And nobody got in a fight. Well, not yet. We wait until oh, we're done recording. Oh. And we Indian leg wrestle. No, um, no, no we do not. All no, right. Uh, not. Anything else? You got the else? oil, right? Huh? You got the coconut oil, right? No. You got coconut oil? Yeah, I do have coconut oil, but not for that. Uh, uh, Sean's mom, thanks for yeah, driving, thanks Sean. Yeah, thanks for being... We have our audience member of one. Yeah. want to thank you. This is the first time we've had an audience. No. Oh no! Yeah, somebody brought their girlfriend once. So, yeah, 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 yeah. This is, so you're the second audience member we've ever had. Yeah, but she was better because she wasn't doing social media the whole time we were on there. Oh, like doesn't most people do? They just check out and like, you oh know, yeah, just on their phone the whole time. But it's I'm uh, sure she wow. checked out a lot. Yeah, time yeah, yeah, yeah. Scroll, great. scroll, scroll, swipe left, scroll, swipe scroll, right. scroll, 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 scroll. All right. Well, thanks, yeah. guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, have a great week. Keep subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe.